everybody, and welcome to episode 498 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparas, coming to you from the Al Vanderclip Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you want it to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash laser time and join mm-hmm. us at the $20 level. In the meantime, ah, Al Vanderclip, barely knew ye, but who's joining me? <laughs> A uh, big weenus, Chris Antista. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. And Looking forward to uh, pissing off Michael or Chris or both on our annual Game of the Year shows coming up. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot of that. Matthew Allen. You're a jerk, Matt. You're a jerk. And yep. special guest. Yep. It's Pokemon time. That means I'm here. I have T.L. Foster. Pokemaster. Pokemaniac? I don't know. Well, thank you. Oh, for... don't, don't say Hello. Pokemaniac. No. Yeah. no. And he's going to give us a Pokemonstration uh, of the... <laughs> New games we have coming out. Of uh, the new games, all the all and, the Poke Talk. And if I can give a light plug leading into what we're about to talk to, um, mm-hmm. on 302010, where we detail what came out 30, 20, and 10 years ago. 10 years ago, the Wii U emerged, and it is my least favorite Nintendo console, and Steve Guntley of Wii Universe, which counts has, has is about to wrap up an entire show detailing every single Wii U game on the little system that couldn't. And he joined us on, on a bonus show, patreon.com slash laser time, talk about the launch, because weirdly, the Wii U had one of the bigger launches in modern gaming history. 24 launch games. Either some enhanced ports, but a lot of exclusives. Dude, that, dude the Xbox Series X and PS5 had like four games, four or five games. Uh, most of which were available on other consoles. This was that was nuts to think about. Twenty four launch games. Yeah, but uh, you know, there the, the most prominent ones were also on other consoles. You had what Call of Duty Black Ops. It, it's, 2, it's true, but like Assassin's up until Creed we had 3. like up until we had like Mass Effect uh, remastered or whatever. That Mass Effect Three is like the best version you can get of Mass Effect Three with all the DLC included, and that didn't come to any other platforms. Mm, that's true. Uh, weird shit like that. Zombie, you don't even get me started, Mike. <laughs> but that that was actually available several years ago on other platforms. On it Xbox was, yeah, it was, but not initially. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, we we already talked about. I, I, I looked back through our list for its five year anniversary. We talked about the Wii U. Oh, so this we? is getting two anniversary shows. Yes, five year anniversary. We talked about the best Wii U games. Yeah. To, so today we we need an alternate tack. So uh, I think we were talking and we came up with. Games that are still stuck on Wii U that, yeah. like, for whatever reason, have not been ported to Switch. N- Nintendo's been porting a lot of its Wii U games yeah. to Switch. You know, we, we've seen Mario Kart 8. We got Super Mario right. 3D World. Mm-hmm. We got um, Wonderful 101. Went yes, through. that's the one. Yeah, Bayonetta that's the one, one and two. They got went through. Are Bayonetta one yeah. and two on Switch? Yeah. 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 Uh, yes. Well, that, uh, yeah. 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 There was a combination that came out. Right. Three right. Because yeah. I just opened that up because I forgot one was a download and I can't share it. But oh. uh, it, I wrote a I wrote a song for this week's show. If you guys would indulge. Oh, me please, for man. Just mm-hmm. a moment, please. Please, please blow it up. Stuck little... on Wii U. I've got this tablet down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. <laughs> And Nintendo's on the way. Sorry, just Lionel Richie channeling right there I, I, for you guys. I hate this system so much, and part of it, part of it is what? the hardware. Yeah, the Wii U is my least favorite Nintendo platform. I really rail on it in the other podcast. Um, but there, there you know, are Chris, certain big things. Big fan the, of the Virtual Boy. I, I think it's worse. It's, it's worse than the Virtual Boy because this the Virtual Boy was meant to be like a different novelty thing. It wasn't meant to be. 
the main Nintendo console replacement, whereas the Wii U was. And it was supposed to be standing up to the Xbox One and PS4, which it very much did not. No. It's a terrible online system, a terrible system with updates, technologically terrible, terrible pricing, uh, terrible hardware, terrible hard drive, terrible value. Uh, Really hated the Wii U. Yeah. I remember when it came out and like it was one of the few times that like you could find a launch system on shelves just sitting there. Yes. We, Uh, we, we, Dave and I had a story of embarrassingly confronting one another. I don't think I'm going to get the Wii U on launch day. Me neither. And then we show up at 6 a.m. on Target (laughs) on launch day and just like, "Ah, ah." and then we meet a a video game celebrity who is also there. And I'll save that for the bonus show. You got to listen to that. We told it a billion times. Um, what if I told? Would you be surprised if I said I really enjoy the Wii U? I think it's the best. Yeah, greatest an unpopular system. opinion. I believe you would uh, harbor that <laughs> and hold it aloft. <laughs> That's your brand, baby. Yeah, <laughs> being correct a lot. Are you going yeah, to get Jeremy Parrish on it? Te- I mean, are you going to get Jeremy Parrish on all this and tell me that Super Mario Brothers U is the best Mario game of all time? I would say I it's believe the best Mario game of all time, but it is a better game than Mario sixty four. So. It 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 absolutely not only is that not true, it's not even the best new Super Mario Brothers game. It's not even the top three. Yeah, yeah I, I sometimes wonder where Wii U went wrong. Like this is the one Nintendo system that I did not own. Well, well, uh, the Wii, one Nintendo main system, you know. Wii U was like trying to ride the crest of a fad that did not exist anywhere yep. except yeah. in the minds of developers at the time because there was like a big push toward a second screen experience. Yes. A yep. bunch of mm-hmm. games came out with like companion apps for phones. And so and Nintendo seemed to be saying, what if we just built that into right. the whole system? And, 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 and what we were discovering through through some of this research, a second screen app, uh, second screen stuff was popular, well, not popular, but ubiquitous in physical movie releases, if you recall. All the yeah. Disney Blu-rays of that period have a, com- se- a really interesting second screen experience for iPads. And iPads are important to mention because that is two years old, and I think that changed the face of how a lot of kids gamed. I mm. like I'm not a parent. I never hand my kid my phone. I'd happily hand them the iPad and say play away. And so you get a oh, yeah. ton of kids of playing on on iPad. There is the Leapfrog, which is not necessarily in our wheelhouse because we're older. But like that was that was a, con- a concurrent game system, a, a, an iPad, a prosumer kid based iPad with cartridge based technology that was happening. And Nint- who had better experience in the dual screen field than Nintendo? If it utilized that dual screen as good as it did for a lot of DS and 3DS games, I would be I would be changing my tune right now, but it rarely used that. I that's the point I was getting at though is Nintendo traditionally they they've experimented with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they've had all kinds of like link my handheld yeah. to my to my yeah. regular console, right? The problem with this one is like that was the system. Like yeah. normally Nintendo would know better like we're going to create a peripheral and maybe support like four or five games, yeah. you know, that, that will support that peripheral. And then that's it. It's like, no, no, this is the whole system. And it seemed like once people realized like, oh no, this, this isn't going to work. Like every decision made after that was like, well, how do we work around this yeah. hardware and, and this tablet, which, and how do, how do, how do we release like, this like for, zombie? You? How do we release this for $300? That gamepad well, is shit yeah. technology. The screen is, has a shitty resolution. The touchpad sensitivity is shitty. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wish there are certain aspects of the Wii U I wish went to the Switch because I wish you could operate your handheld Switch as a separate screen to your 
big screen experience. I there's certain aspects I did like, but almost no developers used I, it. Not even Nintendo in certain cases. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. But I, I think like you know, I was playing Nintendo Land, mm-hmm. which did yeah. not make the cut for our list because that sucks. Ugh, I well, but it reminded <laughs> me that Nintendo's vision early on for the Wii U and what landed in a lot of their marketing and may have contributed to the confusion around the brand was that, you know, they had this idea that, like, Mm. we'll have asymmetrical couch multiplayer where there'll be one person who has the screen, like the Dungeon Master or something, and then everybody else is going to be playing with Wii remotes. And, you know, I'm I'm sure that didn't help anybody who was just like, so is this a Wii or is this an an add-on for the Wii or is this a new machine? It wasn't marketed very, because like even like Pikmin 3, the superior way to play that game is with your previous Nintendo consoles controllers. And if you remember, Mm. Nintendo wasn't actively selling those very much. I remember somebody working at Nintendo now had to borrow a nunchuck from me to play the the first big exclusive for the Wii U. But I, I think if you listen to Wii Universe or this podcast, Steve Guntley says like, there are certain games like yeah. uh, Rayman Legends had mm-hmm. gamepad functionality that doesn't exist in any other version, and it's that makes it the best version of Rayman Legends. It just is. It has that functionality. And I, I don't have a good way to put it, but Michael, what was that? Remember that when Pac-Man first developed multiplayer and had that feature where mm-hmm. you could use the Game Boy to yeah. play as Pac-Man and other people couldn't see you or something. I played that. It, it, it was a special, it was a promo version of yeah. Pac-Man released for the GameCube that one player played a regular game of Pac-Man on yes. their GBA mm-hmm. and oh, the other everyone were else ghosts, on the GameCube see. were playing ghosts and they had limited visibility. So like that, I was, was going to say like that whole asynchronous multiplayer in the same room stuff, the most fun I've ever had playing a multiplayer video game was that. What? But like, you can't build a whole platform. Well, what was the game? That. Yeah. <laughs> like it's. I mean, but so, but this would be this would be where my pushback would be to take a, a, a step back of like I think it's a really good system. I think it's a very important system, right? And I think, and I would rather, I would rather this experience be out there, Nintendo taking mm. risk than them doing mm. a boring ass system. Sure, right? sure. like it's it is a it is a. I think like when we think of like the Wii U as a failure, but it's like a failure that led to something it's, else, right? Like without the Wii U, we don't get the Switch, yeah, right? right? It's not, it's, mm. I, I would say it's it's even to the point where it is different from like, where Xbox had an absolute failure of the Kinect. Because I, I, I do think of these things as kind of like side-by-side view. Because like the Kinect failed just like the, the Wii U failed. Mm. Um, but Xbox's uh, like willingness to be like, okay, and we're done that hurt whatever they could have done with that to kind of salvage it and make it work, right? With the with the Wii U, it didn't work, but they were able to say, okay, well, people like this aspect of it. What if we took this and we we took the the peripheral part of it, we made that the yeah. system, we make it where you can go and you can move forward. Like it allows that kind of innovation. So I don't mind them doing this. And again, I, I understand there's a price point and it's the pricing of it is a lot, but like I having did, that to not do to the not to spoil my there. vitriol on the bonus show, but like. Hey, this system does this system aspect doesn't work at all out of the box. And Nintendo making its own online its most online connected game system ever said to the public, "We will fix that in an update in 4 months." <laughs> it just everything took forever. They never addressed little simple right. problems on the on the UI, the interface, and some of the technology because they're just they don't they didn't operate like that. This Switch works so much better with that now. But uh yeah, I hate the Wii U. And I think it deserved it. Deserved, not only did it deserve to die, it's the lone console 
in the last three eras that only lasted a little less than five years. Everything else has gone seven or eight years. Uh, the, the the Wii U had the shortest lifespan of, yeah. of any modern Nintendo console. Yeah. Well, I think like 2000s. we, so we ran the five-year anniversary mm-hmm. show in, I, I want to say 2017, and that, that math I can't do that up. math. Don't make me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think I had said something like it had already been discontinued for a year at that point. So it didn't yeah. even make it to I think there years. was like, there was a slow trickle of kickstarted games that, all had stretch goals of like we'll make a Wii U version because it still was mm-hmm. like a good place for retro games that have all disappeared. So the last couple of Wii U games are either Just Dance or <laughs> or uh, an, something promised from an indie game on Kickstarter as a stretch goal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to give TL credit. No, uh, mark mark your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. This is one of the few times where it's like, all right, TL. I came in. With a completely opposite opinion, I would have said it was the least important console in Nintendo's history. You just convinced me, like, oh, lap. you're right. It it was a bridge to the Switch. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was no, an you're absolute absolutely bridge to the Switch. Yeah. But it is interesting that, like... So what, what makes the difference between Nintendo banking on last-gen hardware and being successful versus unsuccessful? Like, so the Wii was the first time they said, we don't have to make uh next gen hardware anymore we can make last gen hardware but make it fun and interesting and and and, yeah and cheap and the wii was a huge success and then they tried it again with wii u because like the technology that they were improving on was by that point already seven years old right Mm -hmm. uh you know like it was a little bit better than the xbox 360 which it debuted in 2005 and it was either through marketing or just the people didn't like the games. It it flopped for whatever yeah. by Nintendo standards it flopped. Yep. And uh, but then the Switch is basically the same machine, but somewhat better, but portable. Yeah. And now it's a huge success. Yeah. So was it was it just the weird form factor? I mean, did, did any of you at some did any of you at some point? It's not ver- a very portable system, but it was really small, and you could plug right. in one. Uh, uh, electrical into one electrical outlet you could keep your base wii u in your bag and then play your wii u like a switch you couldn't get more than 10 feet away right. from it mm. uh but you could play it in fucking airports yeah. it was really easy to take well, with yeah. you there there was a, a photo that circulated a lot of some guy playing uh, uh wii u at his, like, yeah. at his no like in his airplane seat I yeah think. yeah it was possible it, it was possible and i think when the technology became uh probably affordable is the right word then the switch was able to take shape in a, a much better yeah. way. I'm I, dying for a new Switch. By to, the way. to answer your question, Michael, I, I think it was it was th- just that it was that the Switch did what Wii U didn't. That people thought it did. Like it fixed the one shortcoming of the Wii U. It's like, oh, that's the tablet's not portable. You can't just take yeah. that with you. And mm. so the Switch, that's like the one yeah. feature everyone would have yeah. wanted to have. Yeah, it was like, like yeah, this that's is what this the Switch is, is going to be. This is an amazing portable 360. I, I also think. Uh, if mm-hmm. I didn't have to have it, I also think like it, when you look at like the gaming market share, it's like when you go into the Wii, where gaming was, it was at a weird precipice of like of changing of how we play video games because you look at like that's around the the mobile boom, right? And like how people play games and like a Wii, like a lot of those games for the Wii that were like few sellers were games where they were very short, compact experiences, right? So I could go and play and move, but by the time you get to the Wii you were able to get those kind of experiences on an iPhone or like you said, like on an iPad. So not having that, like you guys said, like not having that lack of mobility, it kind of like 
Okay, so I had to go and sit down in front of this thing when I can just play something on my phone or my iPad and I can go and move. Which is why like something like yep. the Switch mm-hmm. is a revelation because like, hey, I can and, go and, pick this up and move and do what I need to do. Yeah. In, in, that, in that sense, it's pretty brilliant because there's a lot of gaming experience I'd like to have while watching TV. And... I want a home console experience in my hand while I'm doing that. If it's you know not dialogue heavy or something like that, and yeah, the Switch totally delivered on that. I, I love the Switch. A little long in the tooth. I'd like something new. Uh, mm-hmm. A little update yep. there. But other than that, but fuck the Wii U. <laughs> part part of the reason that the Switch could do what Wii U couldn't is it was timing about uh, around Nintendo still had to support mm-hmm. the 3DS yep. when the Wii U was a thing, right? Mm-hmm. The 3DS was still making money. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much in its You're prime, right. you know, when, yeah. when Wii U came out. Yeah. And that's the difference is like Wii U had gone through its life cycle by the time Switch launched yes. and the Switch was a replacement for the Wii U. And, and the 3DS. Or, I'm sorry, the Switch was a replacement for the 3DS and the Wii it was, U. It's still and a so decision like, I'm that's, not, that's one I'm not wholly comfortable with. Success. Like the idea of a non no portable systems ever again from Nintendo because the Switch kind of delivers on that. Is the portable? It is the portable. System. System. It is. It is. Yeah. I play it in handheld mode most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I did once again. Well, I did. But to, to, to like everything that we did well, it's like, hey, Sony, is there an update <laughs> to the Vita? You could just make this yeah. work like on a PS3. It, it, like it had a better touch screen, it had a better resolution, it had access to all your games. It already connected to that system. I wasn't even asking for cloud gaming. Just like a second screen, playing Assassin's Creed Three on Wii U was only preferable because you had an open fucking yeah. screen all the time. You never had to pause, look at a menu. It's yeah. just look down. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a luxury. I feel like yeah. we should have a good second screen option. Yeah. yeah. A couple PS3 games did do that. Yeah. With I, I think Marvel yeah. versus Capcom three was one of them. I thought so. Yeah. But like confusing. Cause yeah. you had to buy both games and they right. wasn't cross play. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I will say um, it's not on the list, but, uh, Breath of the Wild, great game on the Switch. On mm-hmm. the Wii U, because you have that map at all times. Yeah. Holy cow, is it like revolution? Because you can just like move forward and and do things so on the fly. Like I <laughs> highly, highly, highly enjoy uh, Breath of the Wild on I've, the I've Wii. Heard U. That. It's not better than the Switch. It's not better than the Switch, but it's it really yeah. I just I, that the Switch was the first Nintendo console I was able to get at launch since the GameCube. So, mm. of course, I'm going to play Breath of the Wild there, but I know a lot of people well, who yes. couldn't get, get one, like, just, I'll suffer through experience on Wii U, and it wasn't really, like, suffering. It was still pretty okay. So I, I just yeah. thought of this, and, and it's like, I, I think I understand, I'm getting inside the mind of the execs, like, some exec heard that, like, yeah, kids love dual screen experiences, right? Like, kids yeah. now, they're on iPads yeah. while they're watching yeah. TV. And the the incorrect assumption they made was, and, and this was the entire games industry because Microsoft had a big second screen thing mm-hmm. push. Yeah. Sony did. Yeah. We talked Smart about it. You know, Remember but that? It was, they, <laughs> they thought that, oh, kids want multiple screens for the same experience yes. versus like, yeah. no, they, they want, want a different experience. Second screen. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, no, no. I want to play my game while I listen to what's going on in the TV because I don't need yeah. to pay attention to what's going on in the right. TV. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't need two of the same thing. Like, come on. Watch TV and like look at Twitter or play solitaire on my phone. Like, that's right. just how my right. brain works. So, so yeah. they, they misread what the desire was with the with the second screen experience. It wasn't but, like, oh, to double up on what I'm doing now. Like, I don't need to watch football and have stats on my fucking iPhone. It's like, no, I'm checking Twitter while I'm watching football. And, and another compliment I'll give it, the Wii U, we discussed this a little on the show, what Steve didn't necessarily include, it's not on our list, is Super Mario Maker. 
Yeah. It's hard to say Super Mario Maker 2 isn't a better game. But in terms of designing levels with a stylus on a touchpad Mm. while you look at it on the screen, like, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. And it's dead, and you can never recapture it. I I will say... I I don't know why the Switch doesn't offer that option. Just a separate wire or something you connect to the base system. Yeah. Use the touchpad as a creation tool you see on your screen. Because it takes a lot of computing power to drive two different displays. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But they did it with a Wii U. So, like, the the Switch... it does it does receive it doesn't come with a stylus but i'm pretty sure you can use one on it it is a capable touchpad it's just kind of not sure. very good yeah like i will say like as someone who's put in a, put a lot of hours in both mario maker mm-hmm. games super mario maker 1 doesn't have the uh, like the stuff that yeah, you the can do in mario maker 2 but like you like you said chris like it is the better game if you are trying to learn level design yeah. and to build a level and to enjoy it like yeah, with, people aren't, people aren't building levels. Uh, game through. designers aren't building levels uh, with a D-pad. They're using a right. mouse, and it was that's mm-hmm. essentially how the Wii U version functioned, and that that is lost to time. No, yeah. Chris, they're using controllers to tighten up the graphics on level three. Right, but oh, they, remember, right. remember, the <laughs> graphics are the thing they do first. So right. yes. Yes. you got to finish those. You got to finish the graphics before you go. <laughs> can you give me? Can you give me that report on level four, please? <laughs> Trust me, guys. I went to school for this. I know. Okay. Uh, so the, our top five. That brings us to our top five, which is games that are still stuck on Wii. Now, like if you've been watching the transition from Wii U to Switch, you've seen Nintendo has been remastering and re-releasing a lot of those games, and it's watching it happen has kind of been like seeing people pulled from wreckage onto a life raft. Like, <laughs> it these games... A, it has, it has a refugee have a, thing, a refugee yeah, status. These games did not have a chance to find their audience on Wii U. Yeah. Let's put them on another platform, and we don't... There's almost no development costs. We just bring them over, and they'll sell. People want to buy them, and people want to own the best version of this right. game. And for whatever reason, the five games that we're going to be talking about, that has not happened for. Uh, but they, I, we, I think they deserve to to have that second chance at life. And I just want to say, Steve Guntley, uh, while he's a guest on that special you guys did, yeah. the bonus show, uh, he's, he's not on this show. I did run the list by him. Good. So it, it does have the blessing of Wii Universe. Sort of. He's like, haha, that's a pretty good list. So I, I mean, take that, I, that as an endorsement. That show has a fascinating look at the best and worst of that, that console that yeah. you won't get anywhere else. And Steve's a really good person to talk yeah. to about that. So, yeah, thanks for appearing on the show, Steve. Anyway, let's begin with. He's really good. He's wrong about Mario 64, but we <laughs> God damn it! Here we go. Number five. We're entering Corneria City now. Uh, lots of chatting animals and shooting oh, noises. Just the, the, Star the Fox. Too little, too late moment. The first significant Star Fox game in like almost twenty years, but also one of the few games that like I'm not sure how you port this because there's it uses well, so many aspects. Here's of the here's the thing. So I I unshrink wrapped my copy. That is like wow, this has <laughs> been sitting in its box for six years untouched. And after talking to TL, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it a try. And it's like, this game is awesome. However, everything (laughs) that incorporates the Wii U's specific controls sucks. 
And that's why people didn't like it. That's why it did not review very well. It's because, like, well, this would be cool if it were just Star Fox. Unfortunately, it's Star Fox where I continually have to not just tilt the gamepad for precision aim, but have to look at this screen, which has a cockpit view, which is, you know, kind of neat to think about. But, like, mm-hmm. it's a cockpit view. I have to look through Fox's translucent head and line up this reticle with the, the stuff on screen if I want to precision aim. And on, on screen, like the actual screen, the camera is always, like, slightly to one side of your R-wing, so it's not... It, it, it's it's a little bit wonky, and then it will sometimes just start panning around, and you're supposed to be looking at, at the handheld screen. Like, yeah, this isn't great. I just want to play Star Fox. Yep. I wonder. And there's no option to play Star Fox. Also, you know what? I, I will let Peppy explain in detail oh. what is wrong with this game. We're going to need audio for the R Wing training. Hey, Fox, <laughs> check the Wii U gamepad volume. <laughs> Let's go over some R Wing controls before we get into combat. Use the gamepad motion controls to move your aiming reticle. The motion controls can be adjusted via the gamepad while you're in the pause menu. Use the cockpit view now, on the gamepad when you need precision aiming. Press the, D- press the TV button to watch Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate it when that I talk to just, animals I just break the hill. fourth wall. Like, yeah, For me, yeah. I, hmm. Yeah. Nope. Hey, uh, question: As someone who plays, well, mostly you know, piloting games the right way, inverted, could you invert the weight when you had you to could. do the motion controls? Oh, yes, okay. you Ooh. could. Yeah, you could. Ooh. And you could also invert you the invert. stick by with the touchscreen menu uh, if you wanted. There was a lot to this game. There, because it wasn't just like that screen thing. There was a gimmick with like a tank, right? It's like, oh, well, you're, yeah, you know, the the there's a tank mode. And what was there? There was like a companion mini game thing that did they sell it was Star, that? Or did that get, like Star, Star the Fox Guard, Guard which is even more mode. reliant on the gamepad yeah. and even less portable, as in port dashable. It, it was like Five Nights at Freddy's Star Fox, right? It was like <laughs> security <laughs> camera based, touchscreen based. Yeah, yeah, tower having nothing yeah. to do with flying a fucking R wing. But yeah, playing it, it's just like man, if they. If they had to port it to a system that was not pressured to use all these bells and whistles, this could be really good. Yeah, but. That, that, w- that was the takeaway from most of the... Because re- I remember when it came to E3 and everyone finally got their hands on it, I'm like, fuck, this is like... Un- uh, at this point, is kind of unrecommendable yeah. getting a hands-on with it because it's just so needlessly complicated. And if you were going to... Which I think people would have been more responsive to in the launch period... And would maybe get other developers thinking about how to utilize the gamepad a little better, but to do this yeah. this late in the stage of the Wii U, it, it just like felt, a last like, gasp. It felt like a death yeah, knell. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, I will never yeah. know, because even though we have friends at Nintendo, they'll they'll never tell us, or they may not yeah. know, but like, what is Nintendo's deal with Star Fox? Like, it, it had like a really good run <laughs> in the beginning of its history, and then like... I like Star Fox Adventures, don't get me wrong, but it's yeah. like, that was the reboot, and then this, and it's like, okay, we only get one of these every, like, 20 years, if I and had it's to, something if completely I had guess, different that doesn't work. Star like, Fox was pioneered by Western development, and mm-hmm. didn't come out of Nintendo itself, for the most part, with the first two games, and they don't really, there's a chance Nintendo might not know or understand what's special about Star Fox, and maybe, maybe yeah. it's not that special, given that you could make a behind-the-plane shooting game anytime you wanted, and there's not that much of an audience demand for it. 
also, I think space shooters kind of fell out of favor yeah. for a long time. Like games like Wing yeah. Commander and Colony Wars just sort of disappeared. One shooters year in general, yeah. right? Yeah. Like Ace Combat is it, and then that Star Wars Squadrons game. Like yeah. We get one of those every ten yeah, years. Yeah, we, we've had one yeah. Ace Combat game in like the last eight years. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, what do you, what do you do with what? What would you do with a new Star Fox, right? And I, I think that's I'd kind do of a barrel the thing with everyone knows what I do. There, <laughs> yeah, there it is. Don't, uh, don't but, ask I mean, Nintendo like, that's fans the... when they're demanding something. What do you want from a new thing? <laughs> just give me a but, new one. But, I mean, but that's like the that honestly, that's the problem with Zero. There is a lot of good DNA of like a future Star Fox game, but then like all the innovation stuff <laughs> where you're using the gamepad just doesn't feel great and it just nope. sucks and it's like mm-hmm. i i don't know i don't know what you would do honestly to me this just kind of proved like this is just a franchise that it's okay if it goes away and yeah no one's like, demanding that's this. kind of no one's demanding right. that, like this port needs to be ported yeah. actually i right. got a good Star Fox game a few years ago what what was that? Starlink Battlefront. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that was phenomenal. Star Fox uh, game. Yeah. Really good Star Fox game. Once um, again, a but, Western dev. But yeah, that that was another thing, like playing this, realize like, man, the Wii U was just not a very good system for people with disabilities, oh, was yeah. it? Because oh. like, no, it, 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 not. it forced yeah. that motion control. And it's like, if you don't have full range of motion with your forearms, like that could be, that's impossible to play. But there's no option to play it differently. And not um, not an entirely comfortable controller because this demanded no. to use the gamepad. I would always rather use a pro controller. I, than I, I can't hold that thing upright in yeah. front of me for it's hours at a time and like you know refer to it to like oh am I tilting? Oh why is the camera going all wild? Oh because I tilted it flat. Got it. Uh, it's it's, like, yeah, it's like, not like great. with that Kid Icarus 3D game. Like maybe if you release like a stand. Or like a scoop <laughs> or something to put this on. To or maybe maybe a couple of detachable controllers yeah. that I can hold in each hand. And ah, oh, there we go. It's called because the that, Switch. Yeah, yeah, the tablet wasn't heavy, but it's much like hiking. Like every ounce counts when you're talking mm. for things you do hours at yes. a time. It's yeah. like it's it's like it's I heavy can, for a controller. Mm-hmm. I can hold a water bottle, but if I have to hold a water <laughs> bottle with my arms straight out for two hours, that's going <laughs> to yeah, be really as difficult. if I'm running in a Scooby Doo cartoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, what do you think of all this, Falco? Where you been, Fox? Andros wants his Gigarilla back. I, I just what? like... They, there's, He's got this a... <laughs> sets a record for rep- repetitions of the word Gigarilla, um, <laughs> which is a, a, a giant a, robot a gor- gorilla. He's yeah. got a gorilla to sell. Gorilla to sell. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a Hanna-Barbera <laughs> character. <laughs> that is a Hanna-Barbera joke. That, that was the joke. Me alone. <laughs> I, just, I heard Gigorilla, and I'm like, that's that's like right up TL's alley, man. Mm-hmm. Terrible cartoon that. character name. Yeah, it was created for uh, Spike TV by Stan Lee. The Stripperella no, reference. Uh, no yeah, one, it took uh, a second. Yeah. I got it. It's, it's it no garbage. Matter. It deserved to fail. Leave it in, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll right. never learn. I'll never oh, learn. Star Fox Zero. It would be cool if this came back as a more conventional game. And, and it really is just like you, you said earlier, uh, TL, that it's like, oh, it's got the Star Fox DNA. It's basically a reimagining of Star Fox 64, which is a reimagining of Star Fox 1. How many times can they keep making the same game? Many. They keep well, on doing when they're when they're fifteen years apart. <laughs> as yeah, many times I guess. as you want. Oh, we got to reboot because, it in case we start a new series. Yeah, because because a, a Star Fox Command was that a get, was that as well? Mm-hmm. A light anecdote, <laughs> and we didn't include it because the only other game I can remember first party wise that Nintendo really 
amped up the gamepad accelerometer requirement shit was the F-Zero section in Nintendo Land, which I think right. is the only significant F-Zero development Nintendo has done in several decades. See, that was almost tolerable because you could, you're you holding it vertically, but it's also mm-hmm. just like a steering wheel, basically. Yeah. Like, I can I can do this, sure. But With it, some button functionality. But I mean, that to me, like, this is neat, but not great. And when people are like, give us another F-Zero, like, what do you want? Not what that. can F-Zero do? <laughs> Uh, not this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, what can Wipat do? Um, anyway, we should we should move along to number four. Yeah, I, I do love those noises made by He's my character. I love in, Yoshi noises. I love Yoshi. Game? Yep. Yoshi Willy World. Yes. Yep. I have a wool Yoshi behind me. One of the Amiibo. Yeah, me too. They were, they the were little kind one? of a hot Because I believe not only is it the biggest Amiibo, it's one of the most valuable ones. They made like a teddy bear-sized wooly oh. Yoshi Amiibo. Oh, wow. And, and it does, I just it have does a small work, blue yeah. one. Um, speaking of Amiibo, that is a nice, a neat feature on this. Like, I, I was like oh. just testing out, like, which Amiibos will this work with? <laughs> Turns out it works with just about every Amiibo made, made prior to the game, like all the Smash Amiibos. All the Smash ones? Yeah. And oh, what wow. it will do is give you a Yoshi with like a pattern based on that character. So, like, I got like a Bowser Yoshi and played as that for a little while, or a Samus Yoshi, or a Ness Yoshi, like I a Pac Man Yoshi. It's super cool. So once again, proving TL's point, I completely forgot that Amiibo support started on the Wii the U Wii and U. 3DS. Yep. Oh, yes. like, yeah. like, so, like, so, the, yeah. the new 3DS. The 3, uh, 3DS, the first couple 3DSs didn't right. have that functionality. Yeah, right. the new but, but another, thing, yeah. I, another point in his argument of like, yeah, this was a bridge system to Switch. Like, because I've only used Amiibo on the Switch. I didn't use it on Wii U. Man, sounds totally like it's a pretty about... rad. Sounds like it's a pretty rad system. I don't know. About I wouldn't go that far. It. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm acknowledging <laughs> it's got the bridge its good points. Like there, there are certain points where it's like you get into a game on Wii U, and it's like there's something cozy about it. There's something friendly about it. Just like there's something cozy and friendly about Yoshi's I Woolly I, World. I would argue there's something friendly and cozy about it, and a kind of charm that wears off after about an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with Chris. I I think the Woolly World games are pretty cool to look at once. And Mm. then you're just like, oh, a whole gaming experience with this? (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I I, I hate to say this. I hate to do the kids game argument, but aren't the Yoshi games... Like, I played Crafted World, and, like, that is intended for a much younger platformer Uh, audience. Seemingly, I think... It, it always yeah, has an elementary school Sesame Street presentation. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Yoshi's story is kind of. I mean, this is all the DNA of Yoshi's story, right? Yeah, it's yeah, not even Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, not Yoshi's Island. Specifically, Yoshi's story. Like how the game is structured, like how the how the progression mm-hmm. uh, between like uh, Willy World and uh, Craft Craft Island, Craft Crafted World, World. Uh, Craft World. Singles. Um, <laughs> And but like they're all structured after after the N sixty four Yoshi game, which is less structured than something like Yoshi's Island, right? Like Yoshi's Island is a full structured game where like progression with the levels. Like these games are more of like a traversal, and you're collecting items in the world and kind of maneuvering mm-hmm. within them, right? So like they are skewed for like a younger audience. So I I definitely get that, Matt. It's just I I really dug this at first because I think. Uh, 
the Yoshi game for the 64. Yoshi Story, like, looks garbage. Um, it's always looked not, not great, and this game looked really cool because, like, it has the, the yarn effect and everything like that. But then, like Chris said, like, after an hour, it's like, oh, yeah, I gotta play Yoshi Story, and I'm not... I'm not really, you know, jazzed maybe, about yeah, Maybe Yoshi too Story. simplistic platformer, but, you know, I don't need to be the audience for every game. I'm not shitting right. on it. But if the demand, if anything, if the demand was that high for this game to be re-released, they would have done it because it has the least compatibility issues with the Switch. Yeah, it, it's it's entirely playable like a normal game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they even have a, like, the difficulty at the beginning is, is like, uh, the easy mode is called Mellow Mode. And like, oh, what's what's mellow about it? And like, well, Yoshi gets a pair of wings, and instead of just fluttering in the air when he jumps, he can, he can fly indefinitely. And uh, yeah, it, it just it wants to be really chill. Like it's it's not as demanding as you're right. It's not as demanding as like a Yoshi's Island is. It's a little bit more yeah, even, even Kirby's yeah, epic, just... epic Yarn, which is a spiritual successor to this game. That game gets real fucking hard at, at mm. a certain point. Whereas this, I didn't feel like it did. There was never no. much of a challenge to it. But I, I do like the visuals a lot. I like, you know, everything is yarn, and when Yoshi eats it, he unravels it, and then it turns into a yarn ball that follows behind him, and he throws the yarn ball instead of an egg. It's neat. It has a really unique look, and, and I I like, like, between this and Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, I feel like there's there was sort of a period of Nintendo, like, let's just experiment with different art styles. Like, yep. this is this is yarny. Uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn was yarny. Uh, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse is basically a claymation game mm-hmm. that is uh, a spiritual successor to Kirby Canvas Curse on DS, where Kirby is a ball and you draw paths to roll him around. And yeah, that was fun. And I, again, just really like listening to Yoshi noises. <laughs> That is Yoshi's equivalent of a butt stomp. He turns into like a giant mallet and uh, and just falls. Yeah, a lot of shape-shifting in this, but it's cute. It's unprecedented. And I, I was sure that it was like, oh, didn't this get ported to Switch? No. Yoshi's Crafted World, isn't that the same thing? Oh, no, that's like paper nope, craft. This is, is a... like wool. With yeah, arm. it's two different things. Yeah. Two different... One's Michael's, one is a core. Is Jones yeah. the, the, the fabric yeah. thing? Or? Mm-hmm. Uh, one's a Hobby Lobby. There's a lot of Christ oh, uh, yeah, iconography. Yeah, yeah. Who can say? <laughs> Do we have Hobby Lobbies out in California? I don't think I've ever seen one in person. I hear about we got a ton of time. Know. We have a lot. Uh, Barnes and Noble became a Hobby Lobby. Yeah. I, so, I went there to get yeah. some signposts, and they immediately denied me an abortion. It was weird. <laughs> it was... <laughs> they weren't even. You weren't even looking for one. They just said, "Sir, you can't have that yeah. an abortion." You're here. not looking for an abortion here, are you? But we have a ton of <laughs> nutcrackers. You might be in. It. Sir, put that three hundred and fifty dollars back in your wallet. I know what that's for. <laughs> That's <laughs> head is in his hands. Doesn't I have no idea if that's how much an abortion costs. I know. I was like, I have no idea. It does because of all of Herschel Walker allegations. Right. Yeah. And how we know. Uh, I mean, not like some of it. Never mind. From Yoshi's hey, Whirly hey. World to abortion. Great, great conversation <laughs> That's why Nintendo gives Good us job, advanced guys. copies of nothing. No. Yeah, this is why I have my big old fake badge right now as the authority of all mm-hmm. things Yoshi, mm-hmm. saying that this game is a game. <laughs> it's a big sheriff star made out of yarn. This game doesn't fuck. I don't know. I, 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 
Sorry. Nah, this game will never guess, have to pay for You guys know vampires are cool, though, right? Mm. Like, he said that today in his yeah. speech. It was amazing. Did he say vampires yes. are cool? <laughs> Yet another reason why I fucking hate Herschel Walker as a noted hater of vampires. <laughs> yeah, I, I disagree soundly with Herschel Walker's Wait, stance on Tyler, vampires. You hate vampires? Yeah, I do. I think vampires are fucking stupid. I, <laughs> I, I'm not a fan. The only vampire... <sighs> Only vampire uh, um, uh, piece of media I enjoy Blackula. is what we do in the what we do in the shadows. That's a great show. Yeah, yeah. Not even Vampire Weekend. Good band. Good band. <laughs> no. uh, oh wait, Brooklyn uh, Vampire Brooklyn. Enjoy that. Is that the Eddie Murphy uh, movie? Yes. The West that Crazy is the Eddie Murphy movie. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, if we're here, we should move on to here. Number three. That is Kirby inhaling blocks and collecting Mario coins in which game? NES Remix. Yes. NES Remix 1 and 2, I, I guess. I, I love these fucking I, games. I, I don't know why these aren't on the Switch. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. They ported them to the 3DS. Like, why wouldn't they be available? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but there's not not one and two. Like that's why this makes the list is like the 3ds was like a best of collection, sort of mm-hmm. like they've done with WarioWare's yeah. before, where it's like yeah. it, it you is, don't get all of the games in it. It is this wonderful combination. I like to think of it as Smash Brothers and WarioWare, and something a little more authentic. Micro challenges, really fun micro challenges, but celebrating all of Nintendo history, but incorporating them in a way you could never do with an emulator or unless you had development experience. Really neat, unique experiences for old school Nintendo fans, and I, 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 I'm really sad it's not ported. I'm sad, like you don't want to do this again. Like, how hard yeah, is this to give make? Us, give us a third one. Yeah, like it, how hard it's is this the to stuff make? that you see now on days, like the second a game comes out by modders. Like yeah. I, I literally saw a YouTube video the other day that was Sonic Frontiers, but with with uh, Pikachu as Sonic, and so it's like the stuff nice. that we in our mind always imagine, like ah, the, the ultimate mashups, like. Nintendo did that, and I think that's the most shocking part about these NES remixes. Is like, wait, Nintendo, you uh, you allowed yourself to do this with your own IP? Like they yeah. they never like other than Smash. Like Chris said, this is why this has some Smash identity in there. It's like, yeah, they they don't do that. They don't let the IPs play together. Yeah. They, and they, it's so weird. This is like the closest they've gotten to doing their own a Bobo's Big Adventure. Yeah, where it's like <laughs> let's just smash all this stuff up. But yeah, for most of the for most of it, it is just like these micro challenges. Uh, that are with like a specific number of games. Like, was it like Super Mario Brothers three? Here, defeat Boom Boom. Except instead of light, you have these two moving spotlights. Or get through this ship level where the ship is continually disappearing. You have to remember where it was a second ago. But then there are the remix levels where mm-hmm. it's just like be Toad and kill some Kirby enemies with your Mario two powers. <laughs> Yeah, or you're uh, here's Link and you're in one one, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just yeah. so it's such a it's such a really cool idea, and it's it's neat because it's like if you come to it with like you remember how to do stuff in these games, like you remember how to do like Link's up thrust and down thrust in Zelda two, for example, like you can take to the challenges like that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's like oh I know exactly what I need to do here, um, I'm not going to struggle. That, that, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I, th- I thought it was absolutely amazing. And a bit a larger discussion we had on the Wii U bonus show is it is also the last time Nintendo officially sold uh, NES games. Now you there really isn't an official way to buy NES games. Um, but hmm. in order to do that, and I think in order to sell them, they had to figure out a different way you can play them. The, the, Nintendo wasn't in their cease and desist era of shutting down all emulation sites, so they needed to do something different from just emulating these old games in order to take your money. And I thought, this is significant. This is really cool. It looks like like an official fan game. It rules. And also, like, I appreciate the level of detail that went into these. I'm not sure if this is just an artifact of emulation or if this is a deliberate choice. But listen to what happens to the music here when the coins are collected. Like, a channel of the sound cuts out. Like, the music stops playing so that the coins that sound can play. And you just get, like, the bass. Like, that that's pretty cool to see that happen in a recreation of these old games. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it helped with the illusion, right? Mm-hmm. It helped, like, you think, like, oh, they are reassembling games from those yeah. old assets, which is not what they're doing at all, right? Like, they, they are programming brand new games yes yeah. probably inspired by those assets but uh, eventually even like the background graphics start changing and odd shadows start forming and everything the lighting changes it is mm-hmm. more significant than just sprite ripping stuff i'm really shocked i don't know maybe maybe it's because our demographic is getting older and maybe not as what do i want to say hard a shopper maybe we're not i just maybe? literally laid a blanket over my yeah. lap and you said <laughs> we're getting older. <laughs> yeah. He's about to do his FDR impression. <laughs> I mean, those games we have nostalgia for, but like as I am, as I am getting realizing that I'm four years away from forty, like the things I have nostalgia for aren't the things that people who are in the demographic of spending a lot of their money like that that I think I'm still in. Like mm-hmm. those people don't have the nostalgia for these. Yeah, games. yeah. That maybe like, there's a demographic, several demographics of children who don't care if you make ice climbers good. Right, like literally, like there's there's people who would like you're like oh yeah I would love for them to remake Hogan's Alley and they're like what game? There's Hulk a surprising Hogan amount of video content in NES remix. Welcome to my alley, brother. Yeah. Yeah. His alley is that where he fucked Bubba the Love Sponge's wife? Oh, <laughs> I almost did a spit take. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, I know um, he's he. There's no way he's going to guess on the 500th episode now. Uh, <laughs> Let me tell you cards? something, dude. <laughs> uh, I think that's the second bubble the love sponge joke we've made in in two weeks. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's move along to number two. Right, you don't even remember the white whale, do you? You it's know the L O two, the ship we escaped Earth on. You remember Earth, right? Planet Earth, your homeworld, or rather, it used to be anyway. What Mother three. Is this this yeah. is Mother three. Yeah. Uh, this would be Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah, X. The uh, only Xenoblade that has not appeared on Switch. No, and the one that kind of fixed Xenoblade, like uh, Xenoblade One, uh, is Xenoblade Chronicle One is a good game but flawed. Um, and Xenoblade Chronicles X kind of like set how those games should be played, and it is just gone. Mm. And it's a really good game. It's a um, it's a really good uh, RPG uh, kind of. It's like a side story. 
uh, in the Xenoblade world, it's more uh, mecha enthused in what like Xenoblade Chronicles or either like the future games were, right? Um, and I don't know, it's a really great game that is just not available to get whatsoever. This and is, it kind is of it distinct from Xenoblades two and one yes. and two. Yeah, well, yeah. those, those yes. are okay. So imagine the other Xenoblade games are Final Fantasy. Xenoblade Chronicles X is Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. Oh. And then, like, for whatever reason, like, the other ones went fantasy. This one goes sci-fi. And this it has is, Alec Baldwin mm, in it. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's what's crazy is, like, there's a lot of, like, the DNA from the other Xeno series stuff that's mm-hmm. in here, but not flatly. Like, this is almost like an homage to something like Xenoblade or the Xeno Saga game. In the Xeno, uh, so many Xeno. Yeah. Xeno. Well, uh, I mean, I, I will say you don't have to understand the rest of the Xeno series to understand yes. this because it is, it's not really narratively connected, and uh, it begins like here. Here's what I mean by spirits within. It begins sort of on Earth. Twenty fifty four A.D. The Earth was caught in a great battle between unknown alien forces. Their weapons were terrifying and powerful beyond human reckoning. Our planet was overwhelmed. Its surface reduced to ash and rubble in the blink of an eye. So two warring alien armies descend on Earth. Earth is caught in the crossfire and destroyed. Uh, the governments of Earth see this coming, prepare a crash program to load up a bunch of spaceships with people. Most of them don't make it out of the atmosphere. A few do. And then the one that you're on gets attacked by aliens and crash lands on a strange planet. And now you get to explore that planet as like a big open world RPG. And you get cool combat with guns. And it sounds like this. Did they see us? Yeah, it's very important that you shout out the the name of the move that you're doing. Uh, you, you don't just throw a grenade; you say "flame grenade." Yeah, that's how you give it extra power. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you, if you don't say the move, how will people know what move you're doing? Look, Street Fighter's known this for years, Michael. Get mm-hmm. on the train, buddy. Yeah. Come on, sure you can. <laughs> it goes goes back further than that to the old Tokusatsu shows where Common Rider would shout out the names of his attack. I don't know. Look, you're right up in my alley. I've been watching a lot of VR troopers lately. Oh, really? Yeah. No, he's in my <laughs> yeah. alley, brother. He's, he's <laughs> clearly in Hogan's alley. Can I borrow some free time? <laughs> I don't have any free time. I'm I'm legitimately working hundred weeks, uh, but I my sanity is kept by watching old shitty nineties cartoons. And, I watched all yeah. the Godzillas during Godzilla Day, so I'm I'm not immune. This game, it's 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 really good. I really wish. Of the games that are stuck on the Wii U, I really wish this would have gotten a port because, especially like, it seems like the Xenoblade games or the Xeno, uh, uh, yeah, Xenoblade uh, games are getting a lot of like great press because they're really good games, right. right? Like the game this year is a tremendous game. If you haven't played it, please give it a you know give it a run. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love for the X series, and I know there's a lot. Of, there's a huge thing in the in the fandom. 
for the Chronicle X games to have a sequel and to do more because it was a very interesting world that was doing like doing this thing with sci-fi like um i'm trying to think of that weird mecha that came out it was like what was it damon x machina or whatever yeah damon x machina like like th that was kind of like the only like nintendo like kind of like space like anime mech game uh mm -hmm. other than you know chronicles x and i and i think chronicles x like deserves a chance to be played by more people and it's the one thing i do lament about the wii u not having the install base and being as like lesser as it was because this is a game that totally would have been found by people like had it like lived for a little bit longer and then people would be like fine i guess i'll get it because it's like 250 this would have been a game people would have gotten it would have been like well what's what is this game like yeah. There should be more of this. And the the developer who worked on it, Monolith, also worked on Breath of the Wild and helped create that open world. So if you need a pedigree uh, that beyond the Xenoblade series, like, there you go. That's a pretty good one. And it is actually from, I believe, and if I'm lying, I'll take all this back. I think it was because of the open world that they had in X that they were asked to assist with Breath of the Wild. Probably. So it literally it's a really cool comes from this. Open yeah. world. And, and I like that, like, you know, it's crawling with all this alien life and, like, a lot of it is not hostile. Like, you can just wander past these giant brontosaurus-looking things. But what's, what's the status on Vagina Bone? Um, that is Fire Emblem, oh, and I would I would take it you not, I would take it you not bring that up. Tokyo Mirage Sessions, uh, well, Sharp one of the FE. No, no, no. Xenoblade I, was the one. This this was the one where like the character, the, one of the characters was originally thirteen, and then they made her eighteen, and I think gave her a little bit more clothing. Yes, uh, that yeah. is Xenoblade. Xenoblade uh, two, the honking big boob thirteen year old that they made an adult. Yes, mm. that is the one. Not Regina Bones. Regina Bones is Fire Emblem. Right. Come on, Chris. Sorry. I got I got confused with another game I won't play. If you try hard enough, vagina bones can be a thing in any game. True. It's all in your imagination, right. buddy. All you got to do is starve your character enough. Yeah, I was actually playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions for another podcast appearance, and like I was talking to these guys and saying, like, this this is like an incredibly horny game. Like every single female <laughs> character is introduced with a slow pan up her thighs. The camera stops on her boobs. And then it's like a quick cut up to her face. Like, like oh, you caught us staring. Like, okay, once was, all right, that was kind of creepy. Every single time is a little weird. Look, it is, you're talking about both combining Fire Emblem mm. and Persona. Right. Did you not think people were going to be horny? Come on. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles X, this is one that I've wanted for a long time just because... It underlines how much I really don't like playing on Wii U because I have it and I've never gotten around to it. And I've always just thought like, well, maybe if it came to Switch, I'd play that version. But would I really? I don't know. Uh, we tell ourselves lies all the time. Anyway, yeah, let's move on. Couldn't think of a good segue. <laughs> It's 
how you'll be spending your time in which game? Most of your time? Wind Waker. Uh, mm. Wind Waker. I wanted oh. to come on here and be really shitty and only troll Chris, but troll my mom uh, <laughs> and talk shit about Zelda and how Wind Waker is a bad game. But no. I can't. I hear that music and I have a big it's, super it's, grin on my face. Mm. And it's, it's just not a, like, I, I remember why she back have, in the day when we all worked press at GR, we were kind of. I don't want to say leading the charge, but like reevaluating Wind Waker's like this actually isn't the worst Zelda as it was called when it like bef- well before it came out and then sometimes afterwards, but one of the best due to the graphical the the visual nature that it shows for itself. Yeah. And the the things you would Im- improve to make it an even better Zelda game is what you get in HD. Nintendo has remade several games and re-released several games before, but I don't think with as much significant quality of life improvements as Wind Waker HD. I think I, this might be the first time I saw fandom rear its ugly yeah. head in the game space for like the reaction mm. to this character model is this is the first major like gaming fandom thing where I'm like, oh yeah, people were really shitty about that. And I was like excited the whole time I saw that character yeah. model. I'm like, a playable cartoon. Yeah, sign I, I like the cell shaded, but in, in hindsight, like yeah. it is a weird move. If I won't, I won't deny that it, it is. And we we hadn't like a lot of us hadn't seen it in motion. Mm-hmm. Like the, I, right. I can mm-hmm. sort of relate to the people who got mad. I don't think I liked it very much at first either. But my rationale is more like I don't really like playing as kid Link. I want to play as teenage or grown up Link. Like that mm-hmm. that it, fantasy appeals to me more than like. You know, this I have to be in this kid safe environment, whatever. It's a kid game. And it's totally not. Like, I think this holds up better than any other Zelda game. Uh, any any game of its time, certainly. There's something about cell shading that just it withstands the test. Yeah, it's, of time. It's, it's like if you if when you look at Yoshi's Woolly World even a couple years from now, it'll look better than a traditional side scroller because of the mm-hmm. stylistic choices yeah. it chose. Yeah. And I think this is the best of, like, there There was a certain type of Zelda that began with Wind Waker and I think ended, or no, that began with Ocarina of Time and began with, or ended with Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think this is the best example of it, where, like, it, it all of those games kind of have a similar feel, like the experience of opening a treasure chest is the same, the experience of jumping yeah. is the same. And, um, and I, I think, you know, Breath of the Wild changed what, I think Zelda will be in the future. So it would be comforting to re-release, I think, one of the best 3D Zelda games ever on on the Switch. So, so Matt, you had actually raised objections to this because it came out previously on GameCube. Mm -hmm. So is it really a Wii U game? And I think the, the point here is it is weird that this is one of the best Zelda games ever, and this is the best version of Mm -hmm. it, and it has not made it to contemporary hardware. It, it, it's, uh, well, it's and I will also point out it's it's probably okay because this is the last time you had to skip multiple generations before a remake versus um, mm. one generation or the same generation as yeah. we've seen. We just so we far. just kind of expect it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I will say also the the fixes of like traversing that world and having a like a better way to be on the king of red lions like i like that ship i don't want to just sail forever like i i thought it just did a lot of great quality of yeah. life stuff um and again like i guess zelda is just very uniquely made well for the second stream uh second screen experience with the wii mm-hmm. u because it again it like with the inventory management that you use for the Zelda yeah. game like it just worked really well, and I would also it's say the, it's the most annoying aspect this... of Zelda is having to switch back to the menu 
all the time. I'll find myself avoiding challenges, right. you know, casually if I have to go back in my inventory and re-equip something. I'll deal with that later. I don't feel like re-equipping stuff. Much easier to do here. Right. I would also say this also made, like, the remakes of Twilight Princess and Skyward Thank Sword. You. I'm sorry, look look yep. terrible in comparison. Like, this remake is so good. Those games, which I think Skyward Sword is a better game on the Switch because <laughs> it is not t- tethered to <laughs> to to uh, the Wii Motion Plus, even, if, even though I am a fan of Skyward Sword. But... That remake is booty compared to this yeah. remake. This remake is mm-hmm. tremendous. I, like, I think that the HD Switch Skyward Sword made that game playable. But it doesn't right. make it more fun. Wind Waker is now more fun, and that is highlighted by the Twilight Princess HD, a game I don't care if it comes, because it just highlighted the flaws in that game in general. And, and those... Yes. All the flaws people pointed out in Wind Waker, those are the things they actually bothered to address. And some other flaws I didn't even think about. Like how you access things, traveling the world four times faster, uh, speeding up uh, animations before you do things, speeding up text boxes, making it a more streamlined modern experience. Twilight Princess felt old as fuck when it was uh, ported mm. to Wii U, whereas the even older Zelda game felt fresh and new. The one thing that made Twilight Princess on Wii U a must was that weird crossover feature with Breath of the Wild, where... If you had the Wolf Link Amiibo, mm-hmm. you could, depending on how much you leveled up in Twilight Princess HD, you could save that to the Amiibo and then use the Amiibo in Breath of the Wild to have a wolf companion that would have like the same number of hearts that you did in uh, in Twilight wow. Princess, which mm. is a neat touch, yeah, and, but and maybe not worth replaying Twilight no, Princess. No, I, 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 Twilight Princess <laughs> was revealed to me to be my least favorite. Zelda. It, mm. it it revealed a lot more warts than I remembered that from my Wii playthrough, yep. and it was the total opposite with Wind Waker HD. See, that's the one yeah. that I'm sort of like, the way TL feels about Skyward Sword, like, I admit, the beginning of Twilight Princess drags on, it's overly long, oh, it's yes. confusing, It, but that game as a whole, I have fond memories of Twilight Princess, I, like, I, but but I do have to dis- discard, like, that first three hours, like, fuck yeah, that. Yeah, I, did, I did play it, uh, just the the intro because i wanted a good picture a good screenshot for the show of the postman who appears like after you get through that tutorial Kevin costner yes <laughs> uh <laughs> oh, the, the, the was running he Ford Lincoln mercury guy. what was his name uh, <laughs> but but I, I i think i played it for like close to six hours and just to, just to get through the tutorial and through that first dungeon and everything else is ridiculous. Agonizing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those things, I just love how well those are addressed in Wind Waker HD. The hardest part was the ocean mm-hmm. and, and, and the wind and all of that. All of that is recalibrated to be done with a button press. Everything is shorter to get through. You don't get knocked off of your boat yeah. as easily. Uh, it's, it's changes that are kind of the most significant of any Nintendo port I've ever seen, other than maybe the control the control issues of Skyward Sword. Not issues, but, you know, yeah. bringing the motion control game. controls work. Yeah. It, it, it is significant, and it's worth re-releasing, because, Jesus Christ, I, I, I feel, maybe I'm old, but I feel like the, the, the Toon Link era has been pretty well represented in the last 20 years, possibly more so than whatever you want to call the regular Zelda series. There's a trilogy of games available for multiple platforms, 
uh, with the Wind Waker saga. And yeah, I, I don't know what the fucking hold up is. Why yeah. not release this? I always forget that our Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks are sequels to. And to there's this. Even, like uh, like yeah. the, the, there was a Tingle uh, integration with the right. with the Game Boy. They left it in there, figured out a way to make it easier. Your wallet is expanded. Everything is more streamlined and easier and feels more modern. It, it, it just everything we said back in the day about Wind Waker being a more timeless Zelda game is it's just right there in Wind Waker HD, especially with the fixes Nintendo added. Hmm. And it, I know that this is the game that is always like usually when there's Nintendo news, this is the game that they always talk about. Like, hey, this remake is coming, and I like this coming on Switch. I think would be revolutionary. Like in the fact, like being able to now walk around with it. And I think, like, with a newer generation, like, w- when we talk about, like, remakes and, like, why there are important to do remakes um, and something like that, it is so that a generation can have their hands on it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think about, like, a generation of kids being able to play Wind Waker for the first time, mm-hmm. like, on a Switch, I, I think that's important for the gaming landscape because, I'm going to be completely honest with you, like, my niece is too... When I think about, like, what's the first Zelda game I want to put on her hands, I want her to play Wind Waker. Because if you were to ask me, like, what is the what is the quintessential Zelda game? Like, yeah, Breath of the Wild is great, and I think Breath of the Wild does a lot of great things, and, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably going to be, like, the best Zelda game. But if you're asking me, like, hey, I need you to introduce me to, to Zelda, it is wind waker or link between worlds right yeah. and, I, and I, I think putting those games having those games accessible for people i think is important i would i would say i am just a little, mild shout out for uh ocarina of time 3ds that was also an incredibly significant overhaul mm-hmm. and modernization of that game to make it even more accessible to new players and it's just once again lost on the 3ds like this is lost on the wii u but it's it's nice to be reminded of like just how much charm yeah. went into this game beyond the the cartoony look. There was all this cool stuff put into this world. Like remember, this is how combat sounded. Like every time you hit an enemy, it, like that's that musical sting is playing. Dun 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 dun. Like. That's neat. That's a neat touch. And it's also neat when it's applied to these little assholes. Yeah, remember the mini blends? Those guys who are like... Yes. Yeah, I would would also say this is like the first game where they completely overhauled the combat and it actually felt like a real combat. Like, Mm. oh, I just... I am now very. I just want to play Wind Waker right now. I'm just like, can I go play yeah. Wind Waker? Wow. Right Grab now. your I conductor's batons and prepare to influence the direction of the wind with. was such a neat touch that like yeah we're gonna simplify the the music system from yeah. ocarina of time a bit and uh yeah and it's, 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 it's the- always mapped to your d-pad um mm-hmm. it's easy to access because uh, you know not trying to irritate melee players or luigi's mansion fans but the gamecube controller is optimal for two games and inoptimal for every single other one mm. yep and this is yep. a this is a better controller with more more functionality and that touchpad nothing can touch that 
uh, other than you on your Wii U. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't spend a lot of time how much I hate the fucking name of this console, but <laughs> the it's, Nintendo it's, it's, Siren noise. It resonates. Yeah. Yeah, all, all all this shit. And even like little gameplay stuff I, I didn't even it. do. I got it. It was funny. <laughs> what? Wii U, Wii U, Wii yeah. U. Yeah. Oh, Nintendo Siren noise. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I thought you'd made that joke before and Chris had just heard it like a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, that, I, know. That, I was waiting could... for laughter on my joke. And it didn't come. Instead, a better one came, and I resent Michael. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's our top five. These are all games that deserve to be thrown a, a life raft and escape right. into a new generation. We hope it happens and, for and them. A, a light. Goddamn, like this in uh, Mario Sunshine on 3D All Stars. Like mm-hmm. GameCube games really deserve more re-releases than they've gotten first party from Nintendo because they really, they really do benefit from. Not just frame rate, HD, widescreen, yeah. but the little touches Nintendo puts into optimizing them for new systems have been really great so far in those in the examples of those two games. So I'd really like to see some of that. Yeah, we're in that. sort of a, a weird era. It used to be that like, oh, a game on a previous generation is completely obsolete. And it's like now, like, oh, the game is pretty get great, but could you modernize it a little bit? Could yeah, you we, we, were, we were talking about that because Nintendo's, I was just holding up earlier, like I got three physical copies of Super Mario 2. In order to make that game playable on Super Nintendo, they completely remade it. And in order to make it playable on GBA, they completely remade it. This yep. is not a complete remake, but it is a, as close as, as something gets to a, a complete overhaul, especially in a world where there was no updates you could dynamically do for games, which I'm not even sure if Nintendo even fucking does at this point, <laughs> fixing mm. things in games. Well, not no, on I mean, Wii U at this point. We, we have to give them some credit. They've done this with another Zelda game recently. Like, Link's Awakening was a complete rebuilding yeah, yeah, sure. of, of yeah. a Zelda game, yeah. right? Uh, so maybe. I mean, there's, there's a chance this could come back again. But, uh, but I hit yeah. the same wall I hit on the Game Boy version, the DX version, and the uh, Switch version of that game. This, this mm. I, I, could, if, I wish I hadn't let someone borrow my Wii U, because I would like to play it right now. Love mm. HD Wind Waker. Mm. Also, uh, number zero shout out to uh, Devil's Third, mm-hmm. game by Tomonobu Itagaki, which is it does not exist anywhere else and is completely batshit. Yes, uh, it's it's about a convict who lives underneath. I want to say Alcatraz, some big prison, and uh, they they let him out for special missions, and it ends with like a bunch of old pilots flying biplanes over an island somewhere, and there's a bunch of shooting and slashing in between. So it's and I, I, a I believe good, like a good time. Steve so it's a Nicolas Cage movie is what kinda, you're saying. Kind of, yeah. The yeah, Wii U yeah. authority for us, Steve, said, I think that not a lot of collector's value in Wii U games. In fact, you can still mm-hmm. see them haunting Best Buy and Walmart shelves, but Devil's yeah. Third is the one Wii U game commanding hundreds of dollars if you still got it. It's it's the can confirm wow. can confirm was in a Target and a Best Buy this week yeah. both had Wii yeah. U games so that that's one so I was on the Devil's Third episode of Wii Universe I'm like ah I have this finally a chance to play it and I realized you that, dummy like, I, you unwrap no, the street wrap I I think I'd had a used copy oh okay and it was just like in such bad shape that it wouldn't play and so I was like all right well how much could I how much could another one cost I look on eBay like oh three hundred four hundred dollars. Wow. But it was still on the eShop, so I bought it there for a full price. We're now I don't know this because again didn't own it. Like were the discs full size for Wii U or were yeah. they little mini discs? No, okay. they were they yeah, were full size. They, they, were full that, size. That was they had like an extra layer of laminate on them. A frustrating story I didn't tell. I got sent something directly from a publisher, a game that had been out for a year, 
and the disc just wouldn't play. Brand new disc just wouldn't play. The Wii U was such dog shit. Dog shit. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. The Wii U crawled so the Switch could walk. There you go. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a good note to leave on. Uh, but for now, that's that's been our top five. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some Pentiment, some Tactics Ogre Reborn, some what Pokemon? What am I pronouncing Pokemon. that? Right? Oh, yeah. Whoa, yeah. that's a different game. Pokemon. is going to give us a Pokemonstration. I'm going to try that joke out again because it didn't work the first nope. time. Nope. It didn't work. Nope. It didn't work the second <laughs> nope. time. Nope. 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 All right. Stay tuned. And welcome back to our second segment, where we're just going to wait a second while I pull up the soundboard so that I can hit the button that will play this sound. (laughs) Michael, let me say it, but Vampire Survivors is Game of the Year material. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) It's also last month material. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is yeah. will be out by the time you hear this. Um, yeah. TL, do you have any insights to share? Um. Yeah. This game looks really rad. Obviously, I don't have my. I haven't got my hands on it yet. However, this seems like they took everyone's criticism of Pokemon games and were like, "Oh, there are not enough difference in it." All right, bet. Um, I can say this now because the game is out because it's Friday. Uh, not only are there specific pokemon versions but they're literally versions of the same pokemon in two different games uh there's this new uh divergent evolution or divergent typing called paradox version uh which has been teased in some of the trailers but there are a number of pokemon that are literally a future version or a past version depending on the game you get um which is really cool uh obviously being able to do whatever you want to do in a Pokemon game. It takes a lot of the ethos that you got from Arceus and kind of expand upon it. So I will have more further like uh, ideas and concrete like uh, thoughts about it when we eventually talk. When I eventually come back on and talk about it more. But for people who are just like wondering or worried, like this would be kind of like a Sword and Shield situation where it's like a stop cat Pokemon game. It really does look like they did take a lot of their time to change a lot of stuff and to make it more user-friendly and a lot of time to polish the game, uh, which is like the thing that I think wasn't really portrayed well in some of the trailers. Mm. Um, this is probably going to be the Pokemon game a lot of people talk about and will probably be the thing like... When we go into next year, people are going to be like, hey, did you get a chance to touch Pokemon? Because that was really good. So, And, and you find uh, me a game with the soundtrack out there with both Toby Fox and Ed Sheeran credited as 
Um, yeah. Writing music. Yeah. This, this is one. It, it feels increasingly this year like Nintendo is looking directly at me and it's like, come on, what's it going to take <laughs> to get you into fucking Pokemon? You want you want an open world Pokemon that's based on Breath of the Wild? Fine. Here you go. Oh, oh, that's not enough. You want a Pokemon based on Spain? Here you go. <laughs> the, <laughs> that, that's what intrigues is, me about this one. <laughs> the great thing is, too, like, well, one, a lot of Pokemon, like, they're they're going into the very, like, Spanish... Uh, uh, like the the look of like the of that peninsula mm-hmm. and like some of the Pokemon like there's a there is a variant Tauros that is like the black bull which is like that's such a genius idea why are we just not getting that it like it's just effective. it's <laughs> it's really it's really cool and then like hey you don't like grinding cool you could just send your Pokemon out to go fight other Pokemon you don't mm. have to sit there and do the grinding. Oh, Your Pokemon uh, it, can grind for you. Sorry, before I, I forget to say it again, I really meant to say it earlier. I talked a lot about Nintendo remakes and refinement. Pokemon belongs there too. Those are very well refined. They've remade several okay. Pokemon games very well. I uh, didn't mean to like not mention that. Yeah, TL back. Uh, but, but yeah, no. Um, so yeah, I. You should you should definitely uh, get Scarlet and Violet if Pokemon is your jam. And Which one are you not, getting, TL? I will be getting Scarlet. Um, mm-hmm. I have a thing for I like prehistoric stuff. Um, and Gone and, with the Wind. It's it's amazing. And letters, yeah, and, and letters, letters, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, but yeah, I and infidelity. Will, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, um, it's 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 I I I saw like uh, the trailer that they had the uh, Paradox version of the. Um, of uh, the Scarlet uh, Dawn fan, which looks like just a woolly mammoth, and I, I, I was like, "Yep, this is the game I want. I get to be the Flint." We have the video game equivalent of Pokemon meets the Flintstones, meets the Flintstones, meets the Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> like, what else do you want from me? I love that <laughs> like, you started to say that as Flintstones. Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Flintstones. Uh, meet the, meet the they, Flintstones. They the changed Flintstones. it to that when they got to Ellis Island. It was yeah. Flintstones, and yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, we're the Flintstones now. Uh, when Wilma sees my Charmander evolution, she's going to oh, shit so- her pants. <laughs> uh, Sorry, yeah. sir, now you're in the 20th century, so you're the Flintstones. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, uh, as we get more, like I said, I will probably at some point be back on to to talk at length about Pokemon. But yeah, cool, cool. it's it's Pokemon. Pokemon. All right, uh, Tactics Ogre Reborn, which is uh, what what was Tactics Ogre for originally? Uh, oh, PlayStation right. or Super Nintendo? It, it was. I got this one. Nerds. Ah, it was first for of nerds, all, first of all, you piece of shit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Which piece Tactics of shit are you Ogre, addressing? <laughs> Ogre, uh, let's clean together. Uh, for, mm. I believe... Listen to that name. First, let's clean together. Fuck off, dude. Uh, Tactics Ogre rules. And it is the reason why you got a lot of people's favorite Final Fantasy, which is Final Fantasy Tactics, which is just Tactics Ogre kind of repainted. Um, True. Yeah, it's really good. I, 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 I got it because uh, it came out last Friday. I picked it up. It's... Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, you know, I if you've never played a Tactics Ogre game, I would just say like, be sure to make sure you take your time and like learn how units work, learn yeah. like how different elements work with each other. But no, I'm gonna I'm gonna speed through this Tactics game. Yeah. I was gonna say, don't worry, <laughs> they'll make sure that you make your time if it's any like any other Tactics game. Yeah, like. I mean, it's I think it's very weird that this comes out the same year that 
uh, Triangle Strategy came out, uh, which is another kind of tactics game, like, treading on the Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre, like, mm. thing. But, I mean, this is a more traditional Tactics Ogre, um, learning how to do, like, learning how to, like, manage systems, like, where uh, something like Triangle Strategy, you use, like, the technical points to do special moves. In this game, like, your MP... You start off with zero MP, but as the battles go on, you gain more MP. So it's like that waiting tool of like, okay, when do I do a move and stuff like that. Um, the only thing that sucks is like the story is the thing I hate, which is super high fantasy story. Like I hate the thou thou thar, and like I I hate it. I I can't stand it. I don't give a shit about a duchy or anything <laughs> like that. I could give two shits about it, but it it does like a really dense lore dump, like right at the beginning. Like, oh no, we're not we're not that lancelot from the dark knights we're mercenaries from zenobia oh zenobia well is, is that close to lotus uh, just all all these like yeah. names and places and like i don't know anything about any of this yet introduce me more slowly yeah i, I don't care for that there is like an opening mm. cinematic that i again cannot give a shit of like as much as i like <laughs> as much as like playing D and stuff, high fantasy is not for me. Like I don't like mm-hmm. I don't watch the Dragon Show because of that. And it's like I I can't Did you do call it the Dragon like, Show. I yes, the Dragon <laughs> Show. I don't watch I don't watch that stupid Dragon Show. Yeah. Like, I gotta say though, the Dave Chappelle so spoof of the Dragon Show in SNL was pretty wonderful. If you want to see all the old Chappelle characters in one spot, <laughs> dude, I, I love his pimp character. It's like if he did that in a cartoon, you wouldn't even know it was him. It's the hater character. <laughs> the hater it's character. not even a yeah. pimp. He's just the hater. hater. Yeah, 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 yeah the player hater. hater. Uh, but yeah, um, that game. But that game's. It is my is my second favorite game set in the medieval time period that came out mm. this week. Oh, ah, so you've been playing <laughs> Pentiment then? I have. It's been really weird. I've been playing a lot of video games lately. Uh, Pentiment is really good, and I don't like. It, we'll talk about this when we go to the question of the week, but I have no nostalgia for a lot of, like, uh, point-and-click adventure-type games, mm-hmm. like, these kind of narrative games, but kind of it was just really fun. And, like... Where'd yeah. this game come from? It's all of a sudden, people have been so talking it's, about it's this So it's from Obsidian. Week. Yeah. And oh, wow. so playing it, it sounds... It, it feels like they are taking a bit of what they learned from doing the South Park games because it is, like, an open-world 2D game. That with an art style that's based on old illuminated manuscripts, and one thing that I absolutely love about the game, and you can you can change this as an accessibility option, but by default, all the different types of people speak in different kinds of scripts. So your uh, your main character is like an artist who's working on an illuminated manuscript in a monastery. You're not a monk. You're just doing this project so you can work on your masterpiece and you know become a professional, and. Uh, there's a murder that happens, and then you you have to solve it. But uh, the everybody speaks in a different typeface, and like for most people, it's just like this gothic typeface. It's like it's outlined as it's being written, and you you just everybody speaks in like pen scratches, like you, that's what you hear, and then it's like filled in, but like. There's a friend of yours who's a printer, and every time he speaks, like, all the letters are laid out all at once in reverse with a gray background, and then there's, like, a swipe over it, and then you see the printed letters. There's at one point where you're talking to somebody, and he's using, like, the peasant font, and then you find out he's actually really well-read. He's, like, read all the books in the 
the monastery library. So like he, he speaks a sentence and it erases it and rewrites it in like a more educated font. So sure. it's like it reflects how your character perceives the other characters in the world as well. There's a talking skeleton who writes in Comic Sans font, right? No. Strangely, no. That no. is oh, under You're playing the wrong game. That's Undertale. I, I understood that <laughs> reference, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I thought it was... I, I think it's really... Like, I have become that jaded person where, like, games can't make me laugh, and I've laughed multiple times playing this game. I think mm-hmm. it's really, really fun. Um, there's a lot of great hype behind it, and I, I do think it's... Like, I do think it's warranted... And I think this is probably, like, one of the first games where, like, the lead developer came out and said, this does not happen without Game Pass. And I think, like, Hmm. something like this is important because it kind of shows, like, having that accessibility for people to kind of touch something in Game Pass allows a developer to do something that's maybe a little bit out there. But you, you have, like, that fallback of, like, oh, hey, people get their hands on it, right? Like, I think it's also, like, when we talked about Sonic Frontiers, like, it does, like, a lot of, like, really cool, weird things, but it's able to do that because it's Sonic Frontiers, not, you know, <laughs> like, not, like, uh, Bixter, Bixter It's not, it's not Billy Frontiers. Hatcher's open-world adventure. Right. <laughs> like, it, and I think, like, having, uh, having Pentiment, like, be a part of Game Pass and having Obsidian have like this ability to just do whatever. I think that's really rad. I think that's very important for the game. Space. Well, they're, they're doubly safe. Remember, because so it's on Game Pass, but also Obsidian is owned by Microsoft, right? And so, like, literally, they are feeding the. I hate to say it, but it's the content machine of Game Pass. Like, it's like, yeah, Microsoft owns a studio like that so that they can make games to put on that service. And mm-hmm. this is a, but this is feels like a smaller game from Obsidian, who's who's known for like thirty and forty hour, yeah, huge. Sprawling this one's RPGs, only right? eighteen and a half hours, according yeah. to uh, only. howlongtobeat.com. Yeah, right. But but and so it's point and click adventure. No, it's well. You remember how the South Park games played, mm-hmm, where you're you're mm-hmm. controlling a character through like a branching two D world. It it feels a lot like that. It's a it's Fart a narrative. I think I think narrative narrative based yeah. game is probably yeah. Better. It's okay. It's more focused on conversations instead of like oh find this item and use it on another item. It's not like that, but it's also interesting in that you can pick your character's background. So like you know my guy he he's uh, was. Uh, university educated and spent time in Italy and uh, you know he he studied his favorite uh, subjects in school were logic and occultism and he's a bookworm and he tried to do a doctorate in medicine but failed and then like all these different disciplines then open up different conversation options and like your guy was Dr. Oz he's logic and occultism (laughs) I guess Uh, I'm just making the biggest bastard to ever live uh, Ooh! Did you go with the hedonist <laughs> lifestyle? Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I um, I've been watching again a lot of what we do in the shadows, and mm-hmm. Laszlo has been a, a revelation to me. Uh, God, Matt, Matt Barry, for someone who had no frame of reference for Matt Barry, he has taken over my life, and I I love him. Don't so ruin much. your mind, man. That guy rules. Yeah, yeah. Go watch Toast of London. It's amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. Nice. I, sorry. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, Pentiment, Game Pass. So mm-hmm. I, this is sitting on my Xbox waiting for me to try it because that's the beauty of Game Pass. It's like, yeah, I might as well download this thing. Like, I'm not – I've learned this about myself uh, probably since the pandemic because, like, when I had a lot of time for gaming, I'm like, I don't like these just narrative adventure-type games. Like, I like gamey games, but I 
I'll yeah. still give this a shot because the buzz is one so of my good favorite quotes from Matt in the last couple of weeks. I like gamey games, like me too. Matt. Yeah, <laughs> I like games I can play. I mean, like, it's a little bit of a slow burn. It t- it does take a little while to get really interesting, but once it does, like stick with it. It's it it rewards you. Cuckoo. Anyone play Bendy in the Dark? Revival? No, but I was pretty no. shocked. I spent a little time on Halloween at a friend's house, handing out candy to trick or treaters in costume and. I knew about Bendy. I just didn't know how into it kids were, man. Holy shit. There were, there oh, yeah. were like more kids dressed like Bendy than Spider-Man. So what the fuck? I remember seeing it at a few packs ago and yeah, it has, a, it has kind of yeah, quite it, the fall. It's, it sort of strikes me as one of those games. that's very popular with kids on YouTube, like five yeah. nights at Freddy's and but really uh, little kids. Uh, that neighbor game. I'm, Forgetting Hello neighbor. Hello neighbor. Hello neighbor. Yeah. I was thinking like secret neighbor, well, but that's one of the sequels. Well, secret neighbor is a spinoff of the Hello neighbor. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That that is a Marvel crossover coming soon. <laughs> secret neighbors. Marvel universe. Secret neighbors. <laughs> I wonder what the tale is for these for these horror game franchises that have like taken over the kids, like like Bendy and and Five Nights at Freddy's. Like, is there is there a a logical endpoint to these, or like, are these just things that are going to be ubiquitous, like forever? A lo- I, I can tell you what it is. A lot of them get kind of rip-off versions inside Roblox and yeah. Minecraft, yeah. like, yep. and then, yes, yep. that's what the kids get hooked on. Is they're like, oh, there's another because those, yep. are, you know, they turn those games that's, around so quickly. That's how I found out about Bendy, my friend's kids' Roblox shit. Oh yeah. wow. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but that's but he cool. also has tons of merchandise at Walmart, so it's just one of those things, like. Yeah. I hate not, I hate knowing this little about something this popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's sure. like he's he's not Mickey Mouse, but very much like that Fleischer's animation, right? Like, yeah. it's very easy to sell sure. that. Yeah, like a, like a less racist black and white cartoon character. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I said less. Yeah, maybe I'll get into this one. I don't know. Uh, first person survival horror. No, could be Michael, bizarre Michael, I'm, I'm just going to say no. You're, you're not. No, no, no. <laughs> no. You're right. You're right. Because <laughs> you'll be too busy playing Goat Simulator 3, am I right? That's true. Yes, i got I got to clear my schedule for Goat Sim 3. Now, That's a novelty that has not overstayed its welcome at all. Yeah, <laughs> now, I um I haven't played uh, Goat Simulator 2 because nobody has. But is that, necessary for, is that necessary for the story and intricate plot of Goat Sim 3? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, true. I, I will say, if you're not streaming it on the first day, you'll never make it. Oh, uh, you're right. Um, yeah, yeah the, the goat from Goat Simulator One is actually the grandpa. What? Oh, like that's, that's the, the cranky yeah. Kong of the goat. Uh, I'm glad you understood the. I must say, the slappy. This is a slappy squirrel situation here. <laughs> <laughs> Back when I was the goat. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Goat Simulator. Is that a slappy one? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't watch AWS. <laughs> I'm too cool for that. Yeah. Uh, it really sounded more I, like a Kanye reference. I also reference. have not played Shadows Over Loathing. I do know that the Kingdom of Loathing, West of Loathing. Oh, this whole is okay. series yeah. is very, to West of Loathing? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, that series okay, is very highly that. regarded. So this is their take on Lovecraftian horror. I love yeah. West of Loathing. That's, well, that's then you might love played. Shadows Over Loathing. Okay. Yeah. I uh, With Kingdom of Loathing, what was the, MM, like, the browser race MMO they did back in 2004? Was that Kingdom of Loathing? Probably, yeah. Uh, and, and the remake, Kingdom of Loathing Reckoning. Is that yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I just... <laughs> to me, like, the Loathing franchise in, like, RuneScape... <laughs> That's very much, like... Uh, like, live in my mind of being at the Auburn Computer Lab instead of studying for, like, my anthropology lab, uh, going on a browser-based website to play... Uh, 
the the loathing like loathing games or playing RuneScape or playing Alien Hominid on new grounds. So if you're I having trouble remembering this game or thinking of it, this is the black and white stick figure series. Yes. Like yes. That's what the loathing games are. Like, Supposed to be very well written and funny. They are. They're, they're, they're okay. <laughs> All right. They're <Wow>. fine. <laughs> but yes, that, that first one was a browser game. It released in yeah. 2003. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was in college. Yeah. Well, 19 years of loathing. My God. Uh... <laughs> Also, um, yeah, Call of Duty Warzone 2, that exists for those of you who like the Battle Royale Call of Duty. I, well, if you don't, if you haven't followed my experience, I will play all these game, free Battle Royales the week they're out when no one knows what they're doing, because they are really fun, and I think mm-hmm. Call of Duty Warzone was the best version of whatever this is. Hey, Chris, we should play Fortnite together. I played, t- I played a ton of Fortnite. I was on Fortnite before it was even out. Like, no, I'm uh, saying, me, you should play Fortnite. Oh, no build now. I, I just want to point out that like, it's so weird that we're already getting a Warzone 2, but what I understand, I don't play a lot of these games, mm-hmm. is like Warzone 1 was really well received at launch. It's, it was amazing. They, they made some changes to the game and some rule changes and stuff that like really screwed it up or like the community was like irate because normally you wouldn't get a 2 already. It right. would just be like, Not oh, here's the game. latest patch for this game or whatever. Like mm-hmm. this is, I think they're signaling to the community like, no, this is a fresh slate we're, we're starting over like come back and play the game that you originally loved and we'll see because warzone one for a while there was fucking massive it was like it, it's you know. really it, but it was really good and yeah. really fast i really dug it um, i'm more curious this day this day and age i'm more curious about the file size it takes up on my uh <laughs> my consoles so which i think oh if you download God. modern warfare 2 it's 133 gigs because it includes warzone automatically uh, I know it's different on PCs. You can download them separately, but the separate Warzone download is not anywhere close to that. So I don't know what it what it is necessarily. But if you want to play it, preloading recommended wherever you're getting it. We don't talk yeah. about that that much because I feel like you know there's nothing we can do about it yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can keep about eight to ten games on my internal hard yeah. drive on these new not systems, good. and then and then yeah. it's just like I'm deleting shit. It's yeah. so annoying. It, like it's, once like once I got fiber internet. I don't care that much, but I, but I won't. Uh, less than a year ago, I was on Comcast, and if I broke a terabyte a month, meaning this yeah. fucking Call of Duty download is a tenth of my streaming uh, HD movies are ten gigs an hour. So like yeah. it, yep. it's it's a huge part of your a huge bite of your uh, your, your, your content. Through, yeah, yeah. yeah. I must say, I I just recently got into Destiny two like Ooh, very hardcore. That's a big. Um, that's one hundred twenty six gigs. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. Mm. Yo, it's crazy. Um, they I had to do... take out content from that game to make the download smaller. <laughs> like, yeah, we've retired content that we'll yep. bring back later. Like, I will say to call my shot, I did tell you guys, uh, you sports fanatics, sports freaks out there, that it would call duty drops to bet it gets the Arizona Cardinals because Kyler Murray played like trash, and he went and played like trash. And saying, I'm always yep. right. Sports boy, always right. All right. The Madden curse rears <laughs> its ugly curse. head in a completely <laughs> the Call different of Duty way. Curse. The guy who had to get in his contract, hey, you have to study and not play video games, was bad right. when a video game came Thank out. God he wasn't on the cover. You can mm-hmm. only imagine what Kyler Murray would be going through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, let's move along to... News. 
know, November is normally the time of year where game companies sort of stop talking about their games and, and you know, start releasing their games yeah, for people to buy and real. play. Yeah. <laughs> the real world video games. True story. <laughs> True story. Thank you. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, but no, but but you know who doesn't care about the holiday release schedule in terms of games because um, they're doing their own thing. The VGA Hollywood segment. There are so many Hollywood game stories this week. We're just going to kind of go through them quickly. But like, so first off, remember last week we were talking about like Dave Bautista should be Marcus Phoenix. Yeah. Like it's it's just yeah. that. Uh, he I love that, that like too. he's aware. <laughs> he's aware because he posted a video of himself in full on cosplay. Like, hey, I couldn't make this much easier for you guys. Just fucking cast me. I'm here. I'm waiting. Like, uh, <laughs> come on. Hmm. It's Blue Tista. Oh, Everyone I, loves that, Blue That is an acceptable <laughs> choice for casting a Marcus Phoenix. But I'm not kidding. It should still be John DiMaggio. He is one yeah. of the biggest guys I've ever seen in my life. He is uh, not not necessarily fat but like stout tall wide he is huge he could play marcus mm-hmm. phoenix yeah well i mean but sure. Batista himself is out there saying like the filmmakers could give a f about his desire to join the project so like he knows like <laughs> mm-hmm. where he stands and he but he's like turning down he's like yeah they wanted to talk to me about fast and the furious and i'm like i'm not interested i just want to be marcus so, phoenix yeah. that's it's it's so weird because like <laughs> I am very much looking for him for seeing him in the Glass Onion, but like I don't. It's like all these art directors are like, we want to work with you, but David is like, no, I must be Marcus Phoenix. <laughs> if you don't follow wrestling, I like Dave Batista so much outside of wrestling than I did in. He is just one of the greatest, most fun human beings to follow. Oh, you fired James Gunn? I'll never be in your Guardians movie again. Fuck off! Don't don't couch out a mm. idiot. Damn, Batista, uh, you go. And he's also turned yep. in the best performances of any wrestler turned actor ever in the history of movies. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, John Cena. No. John it Cena. Will, it will never I compare to his to, role I in Blade will, Runner twenty forty nine. Never. That's a great. That's a great. That's a great role. But it's very minuscule. John Cena is a better yeah. actor. If we're talking about pure actors. I'm not going to debate on this. John Cena is a funny actor. No, John Cena is a better actor. No. Period. Yes, there, there is, there is, like, that is why he got the Peacemaker series, is because James Gunn, working with him, said that, like, you know, I, there was this scene that he did, and, like, he acted so much just through his eyes without saying yeah. anything that I realized, like, holy shit, this is a huge talent, and he needs to be able to yeah, develop. Yeah, he was one of the best wrestlers, because he, he could communicate so much without his voice while in the ring and had no microphone. Mm-hmm. They call that great facials in the industry. They do. They call them facials. facials. Yeah. yeah, I would say, like I said, <laughs> I bet they when you when you talk about Joss Cena being a great actor, when I, when I mean like a great actor, the movie Twelve Rounds is a pretty bad movie. It's a very bad oh. movie. John Cena is fucking tremendous in that movie. So, Tia, let me ask you this. Here's the important question: You're talking. We're comparing mm-hmm. Bautista and Cena's career. Who's better, though, Leviathan or Prototype? Uh, okay, so the prototype oh, is this is their early is, is John OVW Cena, wrestling, but it's like oh. when people think of like wooden John Cena, that is the prototype. Prototype sucks. 
Leviathan. Okay, Dave Batista's literal introduction to wrestling was walking out of a river in Louisville, Kentucky, yep. as, the, as, as the Leviathan, as a as a as a uh, as a as a uh, creature from the deep brought to the wrestling world yeah. to defeat the champion. Uh, Hell yeah. It's the See, Leviathan. I'm so glad you knew the reference. Walking out of the that. center of the earth to win the title of a Kentucky wrestling. Oh my so we have so much in the movie news to get through. So last last mm. week again, we were talking about the Gran Turismo movie, right? Um, that thing just mm-hmm. got worlds better, in my opinion. So Sony uh, Pictures posted a picture from the set, which is like a bunch of race cars in a row with the, with the clapper thing, right? The, but the best part is, and someone wrote to us about this in the comments, and I confirmed it because so the story of this movie. This is based on the inspiring true story of a Gran Turismo player, Jan Mardenborough, or Jan Mardenborough, who won a series of gaming competitions, leading him to become an actual professional race car driver. This guy's Rick Kane from North Shore. He won the fake competition and is now trying the real thing. Like, I love it. I want to see this now so bad. It's like it's Mark Wahlberg's rock star, but with Gran Turismo. Okay, so this is weird because I don't know if you guys saw this earlier a couple weeks ago. This is more sports stuff, so I'm sorry. But there was a NASCAR race that ended with a guy getting into, like, the NASCAR Final Four who basically did, like, a video game move. Like, he, like, his car was dying and he was just like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to go off the edge and just drive all the way to the end. And he able he was able to win. Oh, I saw they that video. Him. Like that's how yeah. I play those games. Like he just rode the wall. <laughs> like, around right. The so they, but that's, that's why I brought it up. They asked him like, "Where'd you get that?" He's like, "Well, I was playing this game called NASCAR High Heat 2003 <laughs> oh, on shit. the GameCube, and that gave me the idea of <laughs> I, I could do that." <laughs> so like, oh, it, wow. it's a thing that happens apparently. <laughs> and yet Hollywood refuses to even look at my script about a world-class GTA player who becomes an actual oh, It's funny you bring up GTA, Michael, because that's the next story. Rockstar apparently turned mm-hmm. down a GTA movie pitch that would have starred yes, Eminem. And the best part? Directed by Tony Scott. Fucking yeah. Top Gun's Tony Scott. I would have turned in all that, too. Wow. R.I.P. Tony Scott. Yes, indeed. Why does Eminem want to be in a GTA movie? Ah, this was back when he was acting. This is the whole eight oh, mile okay. phase and stuff like that. So. I, I, I thought this was because recent. because no, that's, no, no, because no, that's was, the only way you could adapt San Andreas. I need a white yeah. character in here. Right. Yes. This yes. is, I think, right after three hit it big and stuff. But then I think one of the reasons they turned it down is Rockstar was like, we have the biggest entertainment franchise in the world. Yeah. Like we, our game mm-hmm. is bigger than every movie that's yeah. released. Y- your it's movie can so. never make as much as our DLC. I mean, um, look, we all remember the Assassin's Creed, not Assassin's Creed movie, but yeah, the Assassin's Creed movie and the three Hitman movie that two. everyone loves talking about. The Assassin's so. Creed movie is not terrible, and I'm not saying that because Michael works at Ubisoft. It's not that bad. Just saying. The Hitman movies? Uh, no, the Assassin's the, Creed movie. Well, let Matt hang no, I'm saying, but what do you think? Wait, so there have been two Hitman hanging on that one. Yeah. <laughs> There've been two Hitman movies. It wasn't was one directed by Uwe Boll? No. I forget. No, no, okay. no. no but they the, were not. the one with yeah. Timothy Oliphant is not good. I remember that. Uh, and then there was another one that was made more recently. I guess. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they were. They. Were, I remember them both not being great mm. movies. But I mean, like, 
Until recently, there was no point of doing a video game movie. Especially, like, if you're a rock star, those games are... Those games are literally just homages to other movies. And, I like, I don't yeah. know what kind of weird Tarantino-esque, like, wink job you would get if you're trying to put a Grand Theft Auto game into, like, a movie theater. Because it would just be like, I could just watch the movies these are based off of. So I don't know. It, that, and that kind of ties into the next story. And again, I work at Sega. There is a movie coming that is based on a Sega franchise. Um, it's it's kind of a case of art imitating art imitating art, mm-hmm. uh, which is so uh, there is a Streets of Rage adaptation from the creator of John Wick that was oh. just acquired by Lionsgate. This is splendid but, news. Oh. But the reason I point this out is like the Streets of Rage games were very much just inspired by I want to say the Streets of Fire yeah, movies of Fire and stuff like games, that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. it's very much like yeah, cops on the street to fight gang violence and stuff like that. And it's like yeah. But give give me that, but created by the John Wick creator, absolutely. Yeah, if you've you seen the raid, yeah. there's no way this movie doesn't work. No way. Yeah, and also Streets of Rage fucking yeah. rules, and I I would I please, I want to please see that. have an orchestra do that music, the Streets of Rage music. I, oh, I mm. want the opening. I want the opening crawl to say, "Cops can't serve justice, only our fist." That's what I want <laughs> the opening crawl that yeah. fucking movie. Trust only your fists. Police will never help you. I want to see Keanu Reeves or Bob Odenkirk, especially Bob Odenkirk, in a situation I can't get through this, and a cop comes out with a rocket launcher and sets on fire every criminal on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please. Uh, if if they don't get Michael Jai White to play... Uh, uh, I keep playing on his name. He wanted to call him Curtis, but the, the black dude. He does not play with Michael Jai White. What are we even doing? Yep. Or Johnson Majors. That's who they do now. Johnson Majors is every buff black guy. You know what? I'm here for it. I'm here for the Majors renaissance. <laughs> Last story, man. John Leguizamo, he has some opinions about the new Mario movies. Did you guys, uh, <laughs> thank you. you. You read that story too, then, huh? I, I did. And then, like, I, I, like, I don't. I, 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 I get everyone saying like, uh, people of color should be up for more jobs. People of color should be played by people of color. I get it, but I'm also an Italian person who loves Mario and had to watch a Welsh and whatever the fuck John Leguizamo is play the most famous Italian duo in the universe and didn't complain about it. But he's not wrong. There's one Italian in the Mario Brothers movie. I do remember Leguizamo at the time. I think he was quoted in Nintendo Power as saying that, like, there's a long history of Italians playing Latinos. It's true. And now I get to turn it around. It's true. And I'm not not faulting him on that. But Mm -hmm. he's like, uh, there should be more people of color in the Mario movie. I'm like, that's a perfectly understandable take. But, but like, but there really is only one Italian in the Super Mario Brothers movie, and it's Sebastian Manis. Calco, the comedian who was uh, mm-hmm. who was in that uh, Martin Scorsese movie, I forget. He played that awesome gangster that got shot. But he's playing Foreman oh, Spike. That one. Foreman Spike, you know yeah. your favorite Mario character. I mean, we got Fred Armisen, whatever the fuck he is. He's also in well, this I mean, thing. I mean, what? Yeah, Keegan Michael Key. Keegan Michael Key is Toad, and Kevin Michael Richardson. I will keep banging this drum. Amazing. I liked what Kevin Michael Richardson is doing with Kevin, but. He should have been your Bowser. Like, Jack Black's yeah. Bowser is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I will definitely because say that. Because he's doing but... a Kevin Michael Richardson impression. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Kevin Michael Richardson is so good. Just, yeah, well, yeah, he's like the best Bowser. voice actor in the cast. You guys didn't yes. answer my question. What the fuck is Fred Armisen? I still don't know what he is. I don't either. Uh, I believe he's I believe he's Hispanic of some sort. He, okay. could, he played Obama without blackface, and the world didn't bat an eye. He did. Well, because the trick is you can play black people, just don't. 
hate yourself. Hold on. Take me down as a note. That's the whole trick, people. Okay. His mother was Venezuelan, and uh, his father uh, was born in Germany. Ah. So... There we go. There we go. So th- th- that's the thing. So, like, like Chris was saying, though, so Leguizamo's out there, and he's like, yeah, you know, they've taken a step backwards in the casting. And really, I think that only applies when you look at the leads, because when you look at the rest of the cast, it's like, no, they, they have people playing stuff it, in this. And you but, don't but need yeah. real Italians in fucking Mario Brothers. I don't give a shit. No Italian gives a shit. And, uh, and uh, Fred Armisen's grandfather on his father's side is Korean. So, oh. Oh, there you go. Uh, just, um... Look, if he wants to be mad about uh, about uh, oh Chris Pratt, I get it. We're all mad about Chris Pratt, John Leguizamo. Like that, we just got to get over it. Chris Pratt will be in every movie next year, and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it is just yep. totally yep. fine. Get it. Get a, a nice crisp rat in every movie. Rat. <laughs> like oh man, <laughs> I'm Garfield. Where's my lasagna? I think where Leguizamo <laughs> might have gone too far. Is he's like you know uh, people tell me they prefer the the original Mario Brothers movie to this this the trailer do they like, though? Oh, yeah, I'm like, yes, I'm like mm, bro. There's, don't. there's plenty of people out there who they, don't being pres- nice prefer to you? the original Mario Brothers movie to death. Like, what is he talking <laughs> look, about? Man, I I look. I'm one of those freaks that likes the original Mario Brothers movie for what it is. That movie's trash. The movie's Legitimately Again, I've said it a thousand shit. times. If Don't they call that it. movie anything else, it would be the most memorable, amazing movie created from scratch ever made. It is a mm-hmm. terrible adaptation of the Mario Brothers. It'd be alongside fucking Ice Pirates. Is like, wow, what a weird sci-fi thing that is. You know? yeah. I don't know. Oh, Mojo dude, Nixon's in it, and he gets his head shrunk. <laughs> The, the whole plot about the movie is Mario's looking for his girlfriend to go so they can go to WrestleMania the next day. That is the plot of that movie. <laughs> yes, is, and then Dennis Hopper is Donald Trump with a super scope. <laughs> so wait, so dumb. that's the least believable thing is like Bob Hoskins going to WrestleMania. Like, bullshit. That's not happening. No, I'm out of here. No. Uh, let's see. So that's all of the Hollywood news. Uh, the Game Awards announced their nominees uh god of war leads the nominations oh boy with uh i think 10 oh nominations did god of war and elden ring kind of were dominating most of the categories in terms of nominations i got i got nothing bad to say about god of war but mm. elden ring is so much better than anything in any category elden Holy ring shit. is gonna be hard to beat uh, horizon yep. forbidden west oh, got boy. a lot of nominations stray got stray got mm. a lot of nominations um xenoblade chronicles 3 tl was bring, talking about chronicles x uh, that is nominated as one of the games of the year michael series the plague tale requiem uh got mm-hmm. nominated for game of the year so uh really yeah. gotta go play that now i yeah. i will <laughs> say this um so there are two things like i don't i don't do the whole like what was snubbed because like at the end of the day these are these are votes that like it has nothing to do with me what you're supposed to listen to what you're supposed to listen is pokemon arceus mm. pokemon legends arceus not getting the like that game like it's it's just such a really fucking good game it's, good game. it's really cool and it is it is going to be on my game of the year list but also and um I, i'm not going to take because i didn't think about this a game that i beat and i loved and i saw janet garcia talk about it um Kirby in the Forgotten Land is a fucking tremendous Kirby game. It is one of the best adventure games this year. And if you haven't played it, I highly recommend it. But that's There's a demo. Go go play the no demo. There's a pretty long yeah. demo right now for free. It's it's fucking great. Like not even good. It's fucking great. They, they got and nominated for family game. Pokemon got nominated for RPG. I I think it could have also been in the family game category personally. But yeah, uh, it's just I, I don't know. I I I don't know what I I 
I think my frustration is I just don't understand what the criteria is because like I played Stray. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know if it's like game of the year. It seems like a meme. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It was. It was, I, it was I more. Know. Stray was more popular before it came out. Yeah, absolutely. And then yes. once people played it, they're like, oh, oh yeah, cool. No, it, uh, it, oh it, yeah. yeah. Now I remember why I didn't like remember me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and looking at the categories, it's just like all my. I don't consider myself an indie gamer at all, but like looking at indie and indie debut, like those are all my favorite games of the year. Tunic, well, Neon and, White, uh, Vampire Survivors, Call of the It does Lamb. feel a little weird to have Genshin Impact on best mobile game. Like, hasn't that been out for a few years now? A- ask Matt. He's probably playing it right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Somebody um, uh, made the point, and I think it's important. Like, at some point, we need to kind of re classify like what are we consider indie games are indie games yeah. just like games that are not in a big studio or indie games like a smaller studio like what what are we what are we actually considering we do indie games right but again like i said that's their criteria is it a team size thing is it is it does this have a publisher yeah. or not there's right. a couple criteria you could use mm-hmm. and a, a lot of the time it's like what no what you really mean is like double a game from a triple a studio right that sort of thing, like yeah. that, is not a, an indie game from EA. So, so no, Keeley's yeah. official designation here in the category: it's a game made outside the traditional publisher system. So, there I don't know what the fuck that. Means. Uh, but because Annapurna is like, well, we that's, do that's a, like these are games that like have <laughs> to find a publisher after they've made their game or while they're yeah. making their game. But but Annapurna is like is a mm. is a like actual like that's a big publisher. publisher. They are a publisher. Yeah, but, but, you like, know what that leaves out there is something like Pentiment. Which is like a smaller game, mm-hmm. but obviously not indie because Microsoft owns Obsidian, right? But like yeah, Pentiment right. feels like an indie game to me. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, this is a side <laughs> yeah, project thing. Yeah, but maybe it isn't because Microsoft owns yeah. it. But again, sure. it, like, made it, it made it with its spare money. But it's, it's got that indie aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. Right, that kind of right. Yeah. It, 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 like it happened with movies. Indies kind of became less of like, uh, what would you call it? A wellspring from which a thing came, but more like a genre of types of movies you remember like sure. when, yeah. when when Garden State came out and like Warner Brothers made this movie how is this indie it does feel like an indie movie I think though. the difference though is the mm-hmm. movie award shows never had a category for True. indie right it True. was they, yeah. they were either they could hang with the full studio movies or not like it was right. you know and, and and actually at one point it was like yeah every fucking award nominated movie is like an indie or an art indie picture darling, yeah yeah Mm. I would also say uh, the other thing that kind of like and, and not to stick on it for a while the other thing that kind of stick in my crawl was um uh again they're doing the content creator thing and i i'm just gonna keep on saying it we we have got to diversify who our content creators are or what even is this category right like i thought it's one mr b should sweep (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's uh, who's going to be called out as the problem problematic streamer? I, I jokingly next year. refer to this category as like oh the future milkshake duck category. Yeah, like, but it's just like um, and, and like everyone's pushing for nibble and like they should absolutely get because like they do a lot of like great like they were doing a lot of great content creation before you know Elon Musk decided to nuke Twitter. But again, like the thing that's like very frustrating to me is like. From a content creation side, we've been talking about we want to highlight and bring, you know, a lot more diverse voices. And then, like, we don't have, like, not one person of color, like, in this list of content creators. And, like, where do we come from from there? So, like, where are we getting representation, like, within this industry? And I think that's where, like, when these shows, where it becomes disheartening. I'm not even going to say frustrating anymore. It's just disheartening. It's just, like, 
it doesn't seem like that's a thing that can happen or there's a breakthrough that can happen. So that it, it's there. There is no fix for it. I can't say here's what you do to fix it, Jeff Keighley, because like who knows who's doing these like doing these lists or who's curating right. these lists. But it is right. a thing that I just going to continuously be vocal about because it is it's frustrating and it sucks because there's people who do a great work and they don't get the recognition that they deserve. Uh, but like you guys said, this is the person who's going to fuck it up in two in two weeks anyway by by <laughs> by yeah. having a video where they're in blackface. So Who, whoever who wins, we're guaranteed to see their Pornhub comments within two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. So those are someone the game recover from my joke. Those are the Game Award <laughs> nominations. Uh, last bit of news here: um, Xbox has put its streaming-only console on hold um, due to costs. So it, w- it was going to cost more than they wanted to pay oh. to have it built. So, so another news: they were still working on that. <laughs> We'd all forgotten about. Well, I, I think both PlayStation and Xbox didn't they forecast that a few weeks ago? Like, there's. This will be the first console generations where the, the new consoles will be more expensive two years after they're out, based on parts. Well, and a couple inflation. of them have done, yeah, price increases, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah. expect price increases. So Phil Spencer was out there, uh, you know. Basically, they were hoping to get this thing so they could sell it for between a hundred and one hundred and thirty dollars, right? So this would be an affordable thing where you could only stream games. Um, but I think you know the parts are just like, yeah, we can't. Like Microsoft already loses money on consoles. Mm-hmm. I think we covered that in the news a few weeks ago or whatever. So it's like maybe they were just been losing way too much money at that price point. Because like it, if it gets much more expensive than one thirty, it's like I don't know that you can sell many of those. Because like what's a hmm. Series S? Yeah. Series S is what three hundred now, right? It's yeah. a, uh, uh, it was on sale for two fifty last week. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So. Nice. So there, there gets to be this psychological barrier with people where it's like, yeah, anything above like a certain amount is like, I'll just wait and buy a regular console versus the streaming only thing, right? So yeah. uh, I wouldn't say this means that streaming gaming is dead or anything like that. Although in some of those recent filings where like, you know, Microsoft with the whole Activision uh, acquisition thing is having to to talk about their priorities and numbers for things like it, they're really saying like, yeah, streaming is such a small part of their business right now. And, and to me, it's... I mean, I've been on the show saying like streaming feels more like a value add for Game Pass. It's like, yeah, this is nice to have, but you don't. They didn't try to build a service around streaming. Well, I, well like that, you know? I, I, that again, that's the monopoly of America, mostly America's internet infrastructure, which Microsoft wants a hand in, but is kind of not allowed. I think the play here for me though is is like there'll be like smart TVs that have an Xbox app that'll just stream. Yeah. Like, but you, you won't need a dedicated set top or a stick based streaming console or anything yeah. like that. Like it won't be like your fire TV stick where you plug it in, at least not for now. Cause yeah, it's, that's it's, it's too weird. expensive but, for my read, Like uh, there's something that game pass can't be streamed via app right now, especially on things like TVs or some kind of hardware. No, I don't know what, huh? but, but no, no, it can't be. But the thing that they're going to be moving towards is like the cloud based stuff. No, no, uh, I, I agree, but like, and I don't know what the holdup is, but like I remember someone from Microsoft talking about like that's not really possible right now because like mm-hmm. what you stream your Xbox content to typically is like a phone or another Xbox that works much better, but a Roku app is kind of like we're not there yet. 
Can't they just, you know, buy up all those uh, now obsolete Chromecasts? I wish I technologically knew more about what the holdup was there because, you know, it seems like this is all server side, right? Like it yeah. should just be. It's the controls, I think. Remember mm. how Google Stadia to get around it, your controller was the thing yeah, that well, had to go to the Wi-Fi. Yeah, the Wi-Fi. And so I, I bet it's the latency between the well, controller and. There, there was also a Chromecast dongle that came with yeah. Stadia just to yeah. be clear. I, know, I just don't see, I don't see a thing they could plug in the TV that would give whatever hardware boost it needs. Yeah. That, that, that that's yeah. a little far off. And, he, and again, like Matt, like Matt said, it's, it, it's a value add. Do any of us use the streaming aspect to something like, I've used that? it when I'm traveling before, but mm-hmm. the, there's only certain games that it really feels. Yeah, it's okay not optimal. Yeah, yeah. I, I would do it with like an RPG because it's not so button twitchy. So like while yeah, playing, turn-based stuff, it's yeah. perfectly fine. Like I, I've, I've been working on like stuff for like Dragon Quest Eleven. Like I'll do it for Dragon Quest Eleven because it's turn-based. I don't have to worry about where my input is, like to the yeah. you know to the to the point. But I also think it's like what you said earlier, Chris. Like if you don't have fiber internet, yeah, what is even pointless. the point? Like what is it like? What is even the point? And even then, my my fiber internet lies, but way less than Comcast lied about its internet speeds. You get 500 megs down. It says 60, and I have the most optimal equipment. <laughs> uh, I don't trust you, and uh, even the fiber doesn't perform what it says it's going to do all the time, and it's not consistent. So it's still outside. I think of being on a LAN in your house. Have you done that, Michael? Like I'm not getting rid of my PS4 because apparently, can I stream my PS5 games in my house a little easier with less latency issues? Have you done that? Can Has anybody you? tried that? Oh, remote play? Yeah, I've done yeah. it. I, I, I haven't done it yet because yeah. my fucking ex stole my TV. Uh, so I, <laughs> there's no point yet. But I did it through a LAN. I didn't do it through wireless. Yeah, yeah. So. I was mm-hmm. looking to do it through a LAN. Yeah, and it works. Right. It works fine. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that's all the news that is fit to play. Thank you, Matt. Now let's move on to the community segment, which is always a segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what's a video game nostalgia that was before your time but still intriguing to you? I feel like I worded that a little bit confusingly. Maybe a better you way to say did. it would have been like, what's what's an old thing that you weren't into but love hearing mm. about? Um, <laughs> I don't know. TL, do you have uh, do you have an answer? I do. Since you weren't here last week? Yeah, I do. Right. I have zero nostalgia. Uh, no, fuck that. Fuck that game. I, Anthony, I'll say this for like you. Hearing about Anthony, I'll say this for you. <laughs> fuck that game. Um, no, um, I have no nostalgia for, like, the Sierra games, like, uh, the the King, yeah, the Police Quest game yeah, with King's Quest, yeah, yeah. I, I have those I games have, were mean. Those games I, were rude and I, mean. I have no nostalgia. I love hearing about hearing people talk. I about love hearing games. people talk about specific <laughs> yeah. experiences from adventure games. I will yeah. never play. I will never. I have no interest on playing because I know it would piss me off and upset me. But I love hearing about like these stories, right. like oh, being able to find the stuff. Like uh, that's where my nostalgia like goes like i'm just like yeah i love hearing about like gabriel knight a a, a character i you could show me a photo of gabriel knight wearing a sign saying my name is gabriel knight and i would have no idea who the fuck that That was was. the funniest (laughs) thing about like knowing charlie back in the day who loved gabriel knight would tell these stories and every time i looked at a screenshot and i was just like arrested development her like (laughs) this game gave you any feelings at all this looks like ass 
At the time, it, it was, looked pretty it was, amazing. Yeah, it was advanced for I know, I, I, I agree. I, I, I was going to say to TL, like, I have that sometimes with uh, wrestling. Like, I'll never seek out a Mid-South wrestling match, but I'll listen to people involved tell stories all day long. So here's a, here's a little secret. What's that? Same. I think, I think yeah. like old, I think like, I think like 80s, 70s, 80s, like yeah. Southern wrestling, kind of shitty. Uh, but I love hearing the stories about it. But I would oh, yeah, never yeah. watch. Like, yeah, in my like, opinion, the best wrestler I ever saw of the early '80s is Andy Kaufman. I uh, this is a little <laughs> TL trivia. I actively did not like wrestling until 1993. Ooh. My dad is from Philadelphia, so he used to watch Long a lot of like made. old WWF. I don't like that stuff. I never, it never, it, like the Land of the Giant stuff never got to me. I was never an ultimate, uh, like Ultimate Warrior fan. Stuff did nothing for me until it was later, but I love hearing wrestling stories, so I yeah. learned a lot about wrestling. Me too. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm not into sports, but I love sports documentaries. Same thing. All right. Well, Giant Short Stacks says, if you haven't watched High Score Girl on Netflix, Very man, cool. does it ever explore a nostalgia you can't emulate. Sure, I played Street Fighter and Final Fight on the Genesis and arcades. I can emulate the PC Engine almost instantly if I ever want to for some reason. However, I'll never be able to create the feeling of the series author Rensuke Oshikiri depicts of existing in suburban Japan being called a degenerate for hanging out in dingy <laughs> arcades all day when those games were new. Yeah. And last time I was in Japan, it was pretty degenerate then. Like, <laughs> the fucking chain smoking going on in oh, those yeah. old arcades. Jesus Christ. I, mm-hmm. I forget, like, there's like, literally a whole generation that doesn't have that, that arcade vibe of, like, going to, yeah. like, the tilt. Uh, um, mm. and and like mm. putting a quarter and playing video games, but I I do want to say this like so the high school I went to, uh, Sandalwood High School in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, the year I left because I went to Alabama and finished high school, they put an arcade People in the school. High school in Alabama. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did they finish don't even high have school a 12th grade. At, uh, at Daphne, Alabama. Thank you very much. Go Trojans. Daphne, uh, Alabama. That's not real. It is real. It's where. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Uh, but um, they put in, they put an arcade unit in the school in the library and decided to do a one lunch where everybody had a lunch at the same time. Um, this is also the school that has been very famously like <laughs> the most dangerous school in Jacksonville, Florida, because of like fights and stuff. Like <laughs> not a great school, and they just put an arcade unit. So yeah, there used to be like a bit of danger of going to arcade units and stuff. Um, Mm. It was just really great. It's really it's rad. If you haven't been to like a dingy mm. arcade where like the control like the the joystick doesn't work really well, and somebody like looks like they'll stab you like behind the ticket counter, like have you really lived? Have you really lived? Right. Have you really been to an arcade? Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, please don't get offended if you are from Alabama. My mother's side of the family is all from Alabama, so I can joke about that shit. But from anyway, Greenville, Alabama. But uh, the high school girl. <laughs> thing is unique though and i said this at the time when i watched the show it gives you nostalgia for japanese gaming culture which is so weird as you watch that show because you realize like they were getting everything two to three years before we were in the states and so like the shows are all dated like oh this is this date in in 91 or whatever like that and you're like but wait that that wasn't until 93 and you're like oh that's right it wasn't 93 for me but it was in japan they were they were playing this shit right right it's such a weird nostalgia that's a great example of of the question Oh, anyway, uh, Vocalic says, uh, or Vocalic, who knows? Uh, being <laughs> born in 97, the age of the arcade, is something that I have no connection to at all. 
but have found fascinating since I was very little. My parents, who are both in their 50s now, were the prime age to experience the golden age of the arcade. I would sit starry-eyed and listen to them tell stories about their local arcade slash pizza place called Pizza Barn. Yeah, let's not make this too extravagant. It's the Pizza Barn. (laughs) A barn pizza? (laughs) It's the barn. And playing Miss Pac-Man on a cocktail cap. Mm. So good. Space Invaders and my mom's favorite, Millipede. Mm. All while smoking cigarettes from the nearby vending machine. Something about the communal... (laughs) Yeah, cigarette vending machines were a real thing. I remember those. Something about the communal nature and going to a specific place just to be able to enjoy something I had in my bedroom makes me yearn for that time gone by. Yeah, I like that idea. It's a pizza barn, not even a restaurant. You eat out in the barn <laughs> with the pizza animals. Right. And leave the door open. That's how you were raised. There's got to be a dish called the trough, right? Like you eat out yeah. of the pizza trough. Oh, God, uh, I would love a pizza I, I trough with, where I don't have to use my hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but these answers both come from VidjaGameApocalypse.com, which is back up and running. Hey. Amazing. Good job, Chris. Shut up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you did make it happen. So. I, ba- I barely have anything to do with it, except I have to call and care in the shit out of our tech people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On Facebook, Vincent Goodwin says, this is cool. Electronics Gaming Monthly. Did, I was a subscriber to Nintendo Power throughout the 90s, and for my multi-platform coverage, I read my friend's uh, GamePro magazines. But I only ever saw an issue of, uh, or two of EGM. A lot of podcasters I listened to came up through EGM and one up. Uh, they all talk about the 90s EGM days, so I feel like I missed an essential part of 90s gaming. I should download some scans or check those out. I get a big kick out of reading old game magazines, especially, hmm. you know, Michael and I got a job at a prominent gaming magazine company, and we ended up meeting pretty much all of those authors at some point. Right. Uh, a lot of them, yeah. And becoming friends with them. Uh, and th- that news story this week of Nintendo Power finally full scans uh, on archive.org. Hopefully those don't get taken down. I love flipping through old Nintendo Powers. I really do. But EGM was like, it felt like a bigger authority because they treated it like film critics. They didn't rate things with Warheads uh, (laughs) icons. Whatever, man. Game Pro. They all had like 20 word reviews for every game. But but, but multiple perspectives. And if you got to know those people's Hmm. personalities, like, I like what this guy says about this. I trust what he says. Oh, what does Sushi X think this month? I mean, like I said, I I mean, I, I liked EGM, but I was definitely a Game Pro person. And which was very funny. Like the first time I meet Dan... And I'm just like, oh yeah, I really like, I, yeah, I was like, I really like Game Pro. I was like, yeah, I was Dan Electro. I was like, what? Like, excuse, like, I remember reading you when I was in fourth grade. Like, what? Like, this is really. I, I, cool. I forgot to tell Dan that I was in a conversation with in a place with a bunch of old game game fans, and he was a guy was just talking glowingly about Game Pro, and like, you remember Dan Electro? And he's like, fuck yes. And like, he's on our podcast next week. <laughs> it's a fun thing to say. <laughs> I never yeah. understood the Dan Electro pun until I met Dan and understood his love for music. Then I went, oh my, because I, I play guitar and so I know what Dan Electro is. I didn't understand it until you I, just said it. I finally just I, made the I connection. I found out about that Dan. just a couple years ago yeah. when like, that's a brand? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, it's a, it, but I didn't make it until I'm like, oh wait, Dan loves music. Oh, of course, Dan Electro. I, well, my mind is I, th- I thought it was a Spider-Man mm-hmm. reference. <laughs> so, Elsie uh, Williams says... Uh, pinball. It was more of an arcade my dad had in his arcades of the late 70s to early 80s. I grew up in the 90s in the lone arcade in town, the Wizard's Web, had mostly video hmm. cabinets. The one pinball machine seemed to be out of service. Always. 
knowing now just how many technical and mechanical layers go into pinball machines it kind of makes sense i lived in a fairly remote town so i would see how it would be would have been tough to get a service tech out to it all right uh so so anytime through my life i would see one i would instantly be drawn to it i lack any skill for it and totally stuck but i can't help myself the attract modes are mesmerizing and knowing that they are te uh, technical works of art fascinates me they are me too technical yeah. and mechanical yeah i am the same i literally don't know how <laughs> pinball machines work or how to be good at pinball machines but it was really cool like uh last year i was working at uh, a buddy jose um jose's bar and mm. um that was like the first time i got to be around pinball machines a lot mm. um so that was like it's really cool like to just like marvel at these things that are like they're weird antiques but they're all like it's like it's like looking at a museum that you can interact with right like yeah. they are yeah. very like weird technical machines that we don't really use like as an analog like thing anymore but it's just so intriguing well, there's a podcast I really like called A Life Well Wasted mm -hmm. that I think stopped putting out new episodes years and years they ago. They started putting out new but episodes, actually, recently. Did yeah, they? Maybe. Oh, my God. I got to I gotta go find that. Uh, but he, he put out an episode about pinball where he, like, you know, talked to a bunch of people in the pinball industry. And one of the people he talked to was this artist who had this idea that he was going to, like, buy up a bunch of old pinball machines and basically scrape off the art and put his own art on there. And then, like... I, I, either he was stopped or just realized, like, this is someone else's work of art, and I, I would be destroying it, and that would be wrong. Like, I've, I'd always thought of these as just cheap commodities, but no, this is each one is an individual work of art. If a Adam told that story, I think, on a podcast, he found he had, like, a really old, like, pretty dilapidated Mortal Kombat machine and then made a Cuphead machine out of it, posted it on an arcade forum, and got lambasted. Because how mm -hmm. dare you do this to a thing that you know, should should barely exist, and instead of cherishing it, you fucking reconverted it. And he's like, dude, this thing was dead. Yeah. It was totally dead. Uh, gone. But yeah, it does happen in the arcade community. Fair. Well, on Twitter, at Major underscore third oh. says, I was an infant when the SNES was in its heyday, but I really got into it and the NES via emulators. I especially love 90s NES games since they really took advantage of the hardware. I've also made several NES chiptune covers, including one of the Hot Dad Laser Time oh, wow. Ooh, Gotta hear it. Let me hear it. Oh, man. Uh, he didn't. I know, didn't I know. Do I just, it. Hot Dad didn't do the Laser Time theme. That was Tim Fallen. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> say, I well, back. the one you use in the ads. I say, oh, you, you have a chiptune version of that that you use in the ads. Yeah. That is a yeah. chiptune oh, right. I must say, did Hot Dad go back in time and score the game, <laughs> uh, Silver Surfer game? Uh, and just because Matt really didn't want me to do this, it's a real story. TL was in town, and we went to our local, my local retro game store. And I think their playlist just randomly played the Silver Surfer theme, which is the Laser Time yeah. theme. And I turned to him and was like, is so somebody weird. making fun of me? <laughs> like, I hate this. <laughs> I think didn't that store also have like a Nintendo Power you wrote? You wrote yeah, yeah. In? Like uh, yeah. I think hmm. I've watched that collapse. <laughs> there was another game store here that specialized. It had a specialty section of retro game mags, and was you know they weren't super expensive, but between like five and ten dollars more than they ever costed on a magazine rack. And hmm. I just don't think it didn't look like there was an audience for it. But it is pretty surreal, and you know Michael and I had that distinction and luxury that like yeah you walk into a retro game store you might be in one of the magazines there 
Um, and now Michael, Matt, and I yeah. are in some of the credits of game, actual games, so I don't know which ones mm-hmm. cooler, but I think the magazine, for real. Yeah, they're both pretty like, cool. Like, yeah, when, when Fran from OXM, he's like, she was like, what's that picture of you shirtless with a gold chain with Zelda around it? Can I use that in OXM? Like, yeah. That, that, is, a, that is a local <laughs> 9-11 memorial with whales jumping out of the water <laughs> to salute Jesus. our fallen, <laughs> fallen friends of 9-11 that I desecrated by making a thug Zelda mm. picture. It could be worse. It could be your Terminator in the snow photo. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, it looked yeah. good back then. Sad Terminators in the snow. Mm. Ra- Raccoon Hale says arcade machines. By the time I was playing video games, consoles were everywhere, so I never got the arcade experience. I, I find it enjoyable to see how enthusiastic people, uh, enthusiastic people are about them in the same way that my father's in- enthusiastic about model trains. Hobbies are cool. Cool way to put that, Raccoon Hale. Nice. Uh, we also have a couple of video answers. First is from Full Install, who says... Hey guys, it's Tom here from YouTube channel Full Install, and also Twitch, as I've been uh, streaming Dead Space Free Co-op uh, lately. Fuck, it's terrible. <laughs> it's really, really bad. With another person, yeah. not so bad, but it's just something to do, in it. Um, anyway, question of the week. What nostalgia don't we hold? Um, for me, it has to be, has to be Mario. See, we were a Sega household growing up. We had them all. We went Master System... Yeah. Mega Drive, Mega CD, Saturn Dreamcast, and then, well, that was the end of it, really. But I always remember going around friends' houses who had Super Nintendos, or SNESes. We called them SNESes. That's absolutely fine. Uh, and I was never no, impressed. Not. Like, SNESies. Obviously, now I've played games in retrospect. The, my, my nostalgia for Nintendo is mostly for emulation. But I always found the, the sound to be a little bit muddy, which it is, but it does have way more of an orchestral ability to it. The and I remember at the time thinking a lot of the games had too much text in them. I was like, why is all this text in there? Because I was used to Mega Drive games where you just press start and you're off. You know, uh, they were fast-paced, more action kind of games. Um, with you know, Mega Drive always seemed like the future, and all the games seemed kind of futuristic-y. Futuristic-y, futuristic. Um, so the Nintendo games just never really wowed me. I remember playing Mario particularly. And thinking, this is shit. <laughs> I just really didn't like it. And it wasn't that I thought Sonic was better. Like, I liked Sonic. But, you know, Sonic was always okay. I just never, ever got on with the uh, Mario games. And people at school would Dynamite be talking about them all guy. the time. And, like, doing the sound yeah. effects to one another. I was like, just a fat little plumber jumping on shit. I could never, I could never get my head around it. And my biggest <laughs> mistake I ever made in my life was I sold my entire Sega Saturn collection. And we're talking some good stuff wow. here. We're talking, oh, let's not get into it. A lot of games that are expensive now and cost me a small fortune to buy back again. But I sold it all for an N64 because it was being really hyped at the time. And everyone was saying, oh, Mario 64, the best game, you know, the best looking game. (laughs) That game is trash. And I will, uh, T.L. Foster will back me up on this one. That game is awful. Uh, yeah! I never felt such loss and mourning as when I'm so disappointed. I've never been more disappointed in a listener. The one good game I did have the N64 wow. was Wave Race 64, which I will argue is still the only That's game worth game. playing on that system. Don't even like the Zelda. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's made me unpopular. But hey, I'm English, so that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, Mario, don't care for it. Um, Odyssey's okay. Uh, yeah. No, 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 don't don't care. Do not care. Bye. <laughs> Wow. Uh, All right, full assault, full assault, full assault. Buddy, let's have a conversation real quick. You are right about <laughs> Mario 64. You are wrong no. about most Mario games. Most Mario games are pretty great. It's just 64 that's a little shit. Uh, we have one more from Worth Nintendo who says... G'day, VGA guys. Daniel Worth Nintendo here. Um, 
you know, period of gaming or gaming thing that I'm interested in that's a little bit before my time. Um, got a few behind me if um, you know you guys watching the video, um, VGA guys watching it. But um, gamer watches. I'm just sort of, you know, like so I was born in '82. Um, like you know, these were around when I was growing up, but I never actually had one. Um, and I've just always been fascinated by them. Just there's just something about you know the simplest, the simplicity of the games and just how fun and interesting they are. Um, and I just think it's, you know, it's an area that you don't really see much talk about either. It's sort of almost, you know, the, the forgotten era of Nintendo. Most stuff before the NES doesn't really matter. But, you know, I don't have Donkey Kong here, but um, just, you know, the first D-pad in the original Donkey Kong game. And, you know, never had any of these growing up. Like I had, you know, these things, the Konami buddy stupid Ninja Turtles yeah. thing. Um, but like, yeah, so, you know, in years past, I, I've bought a few, like, you know, some of the rare tabletop ones and, and all that, but, you know, mm. I just, I find this, this whole sort of, just how they can make these very basic games just so interesting and, and, you know, fun and enjoyable to play. Um, and it's a period of, there's a lot of dust there. Um, it's a period of gaming that just sort of never, you know, really gets talked about or explored and, you know, even Nintendo doesn't really you know, do any of this stuff. And, you know, these are things that, that are, you know, you can't emulate this. Um, they, they have to sort of remake it from the ground up to work. But, yeah, that's sort of a period of gaming that I'm really interested in that's just, just a bit before my time. Like, you know, I didn't really come into, I guess, you know, born 82. I didn't really start gaming until, like, you know, I was eight or whatever in the 90s and, and you know, Game Boy and Commodore and all that. But, yeah, so that's my answer. Thanks for all the good work, guys, and um, peace out. Like I, I think right. I said it last week, but there are Best Buy shelves currently littered with Game and Watch fifty dollar yeah. Mario and Zelda yeah. collections that I have to imagine will be five to ten bucks in uh, a month or two. And and Michael last week talked about how utterly trash Tiger Ti games. That were. was our Game and oh, Watch, yeah. the Tiger series, and they were they were really expensive too. They were like fifty bucks. What? But that's were the thing is really? like. They were never as they good as the lot. Game and Watch. Like the Game and Watch games, I don't. I personally don't have a nostalgia for them, and no, you know, I was, not even slightly. They're, they're very simplistic, but like they are a thousand times better than Tiger games. Like I, they're just. Mm -hmm. I'll have to believe you because I don't know why they're different <laughs> at all. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Nintendo's the, the Game and Watch stuff just magic. felt more Nintendo. like N a game. Nintendo can make just about anything fun, yeah. including ah, those shitty old. Which LCD leads us games. to our question: the new question of the week. Yeah, yes. What Nintendo first-party franchise deserves an overhaul? Yeah. Um, I don't really have a ready answer for this. I, so I else do. Can. I have a, I, I have a, a, a one and a half. One, I, okay. I, I texted you guys. I went to my first Dave and & Buster's, and, and I was just wowed, had a great time, and we had a great time with the light gun games, and I never played Time Crisis 5, had a great time. Obviously, there's a reason why the Nintendo... Uh, Super Scope slash Battle Clash series didn't keep going, but like that's a really good light gun game mm. that I would like to see revisited. And I, I never get tired of saying this. Shut up, Matt. Donkey Kong. I love the original Donkey Kong and playing Vampire Survivors this week. I, I It's interesting to see what kind of innovation you can bring to like the single screen gaming series. In a long time ago, I just photoshopped the last Donkey Kong level, the blue level with like 8,000 tiers, like something really big. Could you make an old school, single screen Donkey Kong level? There is the Mario and Donkey Kong series, but I think they innovate a little too much. Um, I would really like to see Nintendo take a stab at like making another Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong 83 game. I'd really like to see that. And, 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 and 
F Zero, but except like every F Zero, the, all the last F Zeros are perfect. They're great games, and it's just clear Nintendo doesn't have an interest in that. There's not really anything to innovate, so they're kind of bored with making a traditional racing game. Uh, I will say Earthbound Beginnings. Uh, ah. That game is very trash. If you try to play it now, <laughs> uh, the encounter rate's really bad. The yeah. rate, like, if you made Earthbound Beginnings and made it play like Mother Three, I think that would be pretty great. If you're never going to give us Mother Three, at least make Earthbound Beginnings playable. I'm going to say Pro Wrestling. Oh, okay, uh, there you go. <laughs> sure. That that old NES game with Starman oh, and the Amazon and whatever. Like, I want to see those characters. Brought back into a Marvel Wrestling with the the, the classic Nintendo touch. Um, failing that, do another fucking Punch Out, guys! Come on, it's funny yeah, you should yeah. mention that Next Level, who made the latest Punch Out, which is now almost twenty years mm-hmm. old, did oh release God. some pitches they made for a Mario sports wrestling game that they had pitched to the studio. And I, I, I mean, I think that would be an easier sell than Smash Brothers. You know, it's like it's technically less violent. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So I, I was going to say Punch-Out, but they, they redid Punch-Out, and it was so glorious on the Wii that it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, I'd love for them to try it again. But I'm going to go with one that has never been redone, mm. um, needs an overhaul, Star Tropics. Yeah, dude, I'm Star totally Tropics is just frozen on the net. That's a good one, it's, yeah. It's, never, never done, actually never released in Japan, like, just, just a Western franchise. Playing so. Star Tropics, like, i got to go back and see what this Zelda thing is about. I didn't get it in the beginning, but now... Star Tropics mm. helped me understand. That's right where I right. was. And by today's t- by today's standards, Star Tropics not a great game because it has been improved upon by things like Zelda and so much. But like for the time, it was so groundbreaking, and it's like it's it is weird that they just again maybe, maybe it's to Chris's point earlier about like why doesn't Star Fox get much love? Is like yeah, Star Tropics was this Western release. Mm. Like they didn't release it in Japan, so maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, uh, maybe. It's just sitting there, and it was such. They're, they're it came excellent with a letter games. They're that both you dipped good. in water, and <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. Both good. Uh, so, what Nintendo first-party franchise do you think deserves an overhaul? Let us know. Go to videogameapocalypse.com and answer into the comments for episode 498. Alternately, you can visit us on the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer, or ping us on Twitter, at VGApocalypse, and we will read the answers on next week's show. Anyway, that's been our show. Uh, let's go out with some plugs. TL, yep. is there anything you want people to know about? Uh, yeah, uh, you can go to welcome to the thing uh you can go to uh podcast live from the pool house uh where uh we are hosting our, our other show welcome to the thing uh both the shows i do with a lot of great creators and hey um also uh uh if you want to fund me directly i have a shop on uh i forgot what the shop the place shop t-shirt follow nice me on twitter bl- turbo bison <laughs> you can find my bonfire bonfire uh the bonfire shop uh i did a really cool welcome to the thing t-shirt and you know hey times are hard so maybe buy a t-shirt or two for your boy so you can afford stuff so i want, I want that oat milk gamer t-shirt still yeah well yeah. i will send you the link buy my shirt uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have one, <laughs> one. So. buy my shirt yeah. yes that's it. Still funny. It's very comfortable. Anyone else? Chris, what do you got? Oh, uh, 302010 this week is super fun just because we get to talk about, in the same segment, Crying Game and Aladdin. Uh, I never thought that opportunity would, <laughs> would arise. 
uh, the follow-up to one of my favorite de- directorial debuts that still mystifies me. And um, yeah, the bonus sh- uh, we did a bonus show all about the Wii U anniversary with Steve Guntley of Wii Universe, and um, he was with us for the uh, Chucky series, which we wrapped up also on patreoncom time. Sick of Star Wars, Last Unicorn, all that coming very soon. Give us five bucks, we'll give you a bunch of extra shows. How about that? But will you give me uh, Gilbert Gottfried's Iago doing a scene from The Crying Game? Do I get that anywhere, or is that just just <laughs> is that a Patreon exclusive? That'd be amazing. Ah, it's the troubles. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> pretty good uh i don't have anything to plug so patreon.com slash laser time is as good as anything um i'm going to be on an upcoming episode of we universe with steve guntley and woody siskowski i don't want to say what game it's for because they might want to keep that a secret but watch for me four left (laughs) yeah and and you can you can find out uh what it is i will say on my personal twitter at wikiparas that's w-i-k-i-p-a-r az when that episode goes live uh you can also follow the show is he verified or is he not i am not (laughs) proudly non-verified especially now god damn it i'm not paying eight bucks for shit uh last i checked i write for your platform for free yeah exactly Make me pay to be a content contributor. Fuck you. Uh, also, um, you can follow the show on Twitter at VG Apocalypse and uh, visit us online at VigigameApocalypse.com, which once again now works again. So, uh, hooray. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. I'll go light on Vampire Survivors if okay. I can. That is not a new release. You motherfuckers, it is. That today. is not a new release. Chris, that game is old. I'm going to say anyway. it in a sentence. I'm going to say it. <laughs>